Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to a brand new edition of JT and the Don. And please remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. And please leave us a five-star review. I am Donato Bucci, the Don. And without further ado, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? I feel good, but I just realized that you lie every week on this show immediately you lie how you're saying everyone's favorite you hate that you know you know there's you know damn well that if somebody if there was a poll out there and they voted me the favorite on the show you'd complain all there'd be a riot so (laughs) i don't know if you should keep saying that you could just bring me in you don't have to say everyone's favorite because you i I know that pains you to say that because deep down it might be true I would hate that if there was a poll taken and you won that between the you know fans. What? You I know would what? think right. you I'm rigged it, it somehow. I'm going to put that up in our, in our, in our IG story. <laughs> and we're going to find out who's the favorite. So that way, if I am the favorite, you officially have to keep saying that and, and well, you can't complain about it. Well, I need to say it because the script writers and the management team of the JT and Don show told me to do it. So I got to do it. They told so, me to do it. So you told yourself to do it. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. This guy's a psycho. We do got, we got so many things to talk about today. Yes, let's get into it. Go ahead, JT. All right, see, there he goes, rushing me already. He's trying to throw me off my game. <laughs> but, yeah, let's start with the game that everybody was watching on Monday night. That's the College Football National Championship, which I thought was going to be a better game. But uh, LSU capped their magical season, beating Clemson 42-25. to uh, We're going to get to everything about this game, but I just want to kick this off. Don, what's just like your overall reaction to watching the game and then like some things that surprised you? So it's it's I'll combine both because this is my reaction and I'm a little surprised by it. It's what Joe Burrow did. I'm not surprised at what he actually did because he's been doing it all year, but I'm surprised that he was actually able to do it and make it look so easy against the Clemson defense. I, I agree with you. He did. I, I I'll admit it. You've, you've heard me on this show saying I've been waiting for him to turn into a pumpkin all season, and I thought this was going to be the game. He did not do it. <laughs> he did not. I mean, Clemson's defense, really quick, ranked sixth nationally in total defense, 288.3 yards a game they were giving up, third in scoring defense, 13.5 points, and then fourth in passing yards allowed, only 172. Joe Burrow, 463 yards, five touchdowns. You said it before. They won 42-25. And then on top of that, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you know how much I like him. but You love I him. Didn't, I didn't think he – I do. I he will think, be on your fantasy team next year, I promise. <laughs> one year, yes. Late. Yes, next year. He'll be the late the late round pick. Um, he, he had 16 carries for 110 yards. That's a 6.9, you know, um, per carry attempt. So – or, you know, yards per, per attempt. So – 
I mean, that's that's crazy to me. And then also, there was no late-game surge by Clemson. I thought that they would make it interesting in the fourth quarter. They didn't even score a field goal. And then they were 1-for-11 on third downs. Trevor Lawrence in that fast, unbelievable offense, 1-for-11, JT, on third down conversions. So a lot of surprises in there. That's and so crazy. I read, some, I read somewhere because I, I – at one point, I got tired of watching Trevor Lawrence just overthrow everyone, <laughs> and I read somewhere like that's like the most like recorded overthrows in a game. Wow! Like this, like since they started keeping the stat, and that was crazy. Like he he legit looked bad in the national championship. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get into that, but that Clemson offense on third down, one for eleven. You know, it reminded me JT of some some other team that you and I know really well. It seemed like the twenty. 19 Miami Hurricanes offense on third down. That's bad. First of all, don't compare don't compare anybody <laughs> to a Hurricanes team. That's just straight disrespect. But um yeah, obviously uh, I got some of the same reactions that you did. I've been on record saying that I'm still not convinced on Burrow as just this elite quarterback. But I looked up and damn, he's got he has 60 touchdowns. Like that's crazy. Like that's an NCAA record. I'm like, how do we get here? Like this is LSU. Move and over, move over. You know who he passed, right? Uh, was it uh, was it Chang? No, the other Hawaii quarterback. Oh, it was Colt Brennan? Yes. <laughs> I forgot he still had the record. Whatever happened to Colt Brennan? If anybody knows what happened to Colt Brennan, send us an APB. we love to get him on the show. Um, but, yeah, with that being said, Burrow and LSU kept this magical season. And it just reminded me of how many years has LSU just had all this elite talent and – it's just been destroyed by crappy offensive play calling. And just imagine if they would have opened up and became more modern on offense years ago, how many more national championships could they have won? And would we be talking about Alabama in the same light that we do? Like, it's just so disappointing. And LSU fans got to be happy they won, but they got to be disappointed that they didn't make this move faster to go with this wide open offensive attack. And you brought up, brought up a lot of good points about Trevor Lawrence, but the the reaction that I took away from this game, and I might look like an idiot right now, but this game just proved to me that I think he's going to be an NFL All-Pro. And it's because the guy has has lost, what, like one time since high school? And this is probably the biggest loss that he – this is the biggest loss that he's had. And he finally p- played a bad game to the point where it cost his team the game. And you can tell in that in that moment that it really hurt him. Like, he didn't want to shake hands with Burrow. Like, he was like, he was pissed. He was like, I lost this game. We were supposed to beat them. I can't wait to get back next year and smash whoever is in this championship game with us. They'll be on a mission next year. And I just I just saw that from him. You rarely see that from guys that are not, loose to, not used to losing and are just, you know, automatically anointed as the next greatest thing. So I think that's good for him. And then also for Clemson, I think this game really showed they need to recruit offensive line better. They got everything else, but they couldn't run the ball at all. Uh, Travis Etienne was basically shut out of this game, which I was really surprised. And uh, LSU tight end, Thaddeus Moss, who I've been kind of doubting all year too, kind of looks like your boy, Jordan Reed. He looks like he can have that type of role at the next level. In the Jordan NFL, Reed so. is your boy. Uh, nah, that's that's your, boy. your boy. But he looks like he's going to be a player. I know his dad's Randy Moss, but he finally looks like he's going to have some NFL – like some NFL skill, but with but with that being said, I know the big thing was Trevor Lawrence because everybody's hyping him up for the NFL. Did this game hurt his draft stock? 
No, no, absolutely not. I mean, one, he's not even eligible. So that's the first thing. He's not eligible for the 2020 draft. So he still has a whole year to do whatever next year and, and be great. Uh, two, I'll pose this question to you. Do people think Justin Fields hurt his stock because he had one bad game against a really good Clemson defense? I don't think so. So Trevor Lawrence played a really good LSU defense. So I don't think that that hurt his stock because it's the LSU defense and it was only one game. And then what if he goes out, wins the Heisman next year, has another great year? Like we forget about how he played average. Like we hold him to such a great standard, but but JT he still threw for like what two hundred sixty yards. Didn't throw an interception. I mean, but let's let's be honest. I mean, it's Trevor Lawrence. Like this guy is supposed to be but the next he, he next didn't have, Manny. He so didn't we are mu- we are going to hold him to a high but standard. He didn't have much help either. Defense couldn't get off the field. I mean, they still gave up forty two points. They couldn't run the ball. The, you just said it. The offensive line, Travis Etienne, couldn't run the ball. It, yeah, in these games, you got to be able to do both. That's a good point, and I and I didn't I didn't even think to bring that up. But I was actually really disappointed in the Clemson defense because uh, Venables is supposed to be the the guy when it comes to coordinators in college football, and his thing is always pressure, 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 and leave the DBs one on one, and it wasn't working. Obviously, why didn't you switch up that game plan? And I think that really hurt him. I was surprised they didn't go away from that. But I agree with you. I don't think uh, Lawrence's draft stock was hurt. He's the number one pick in 2021, whether he comes out or not. Or even if he gets hurt, I think he's the top pick. But is the other guy I, – I know. I feel like I know where you're going with this. I just – I don't know, Joe Burrow. I'm still on the fence, but is he a legit number one overall pick to you after this game? I think I was with you for the longest time during the college football season. Oh, like, don't man, he, don't, cro- don't cross the line. Come on, stay over here. He's playing like really good. Like, but man, it's LSU. It's Burrow. He transferred. But I tell you what, JT, after this game and what he did to Clemson, wow. Like, he convinced me. He is for this year going into the 2020 NFL draft, especially with the Tua injury. He's convinced me that he is the number one overall pick. And this is the other thing. Not only do I now think he is, but he is going to be because the Bengals cannot pass on him for Chase Young. Like, even if a lot of football guys say, yes, you should pass, Chase Young is more of the, you know, once-in-a-generation type defense alignment, it's like, well... You just can't pass on a quarterback when at Cincinnati you have not had one realistically to get you to a Super Bowl since Boomer. So Damn, so you just you just skipping over Palmer? Because uh, technically Palmer right, could have been that guy good if point. the Steelers yeah. weren't a bunch of dirty dudes. Uh, uh you know, I was with you up until that last comment right there. Kimo von Olhoffen did not mean to. He just stumbled into his knee. Anyway, let, let's this is how the shows are so long, okay? You start to get off on these tangents. So, at the end of the day, the Bengals are going to have to take him. Is he going number one overall? I think there's like a 90% chance. I still think somebody can move up to take him. And if, the, if that's the case, the Bengals would be crazy to not entertain the package that people are going to offer them to get Burrow. But something is still holding me back. I'm not convinced, and I'm, I'm not completely sold on him. I don't know what it is. Just it's just something about him just seems like a bust. Like it just seems like too much of a perfect storm. But we'll see because I've been wrong before in the past. But I guess after this game and after all the reactions, everybody's main question going into next year is: Can LSU repeat? That's that's a great question. Um, 
Next year, no. Maybe 2021, but next year, no. Let me tell you really quick why. No Joe Burrow. I mean, he's the Heisman winner, so you're going to definitely have some drop-off at the quarterback position. Maybe this is the biggest factor. No Joe Brady. I mean, you just said it. LSU maybe wasted all of that offensive talent over the past 10, 15 years because of the play calling in the, in the, the play, the offensive system. But this is the other reason, JT. Nine underclassmen, not seniors, but underclassmen, nine of them have declared for the NFL draft. All of them were big keys to this team. You just said one of them, Thaddeus Moss. Then you got Justin Jefferson. I hope the Steelers get him, by the way. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The center, Lloyd Cushenberry. The left tackle, Sadiq uh, Charles. Then on the defensive side, the linebackers, Chason and Patrick Quinn. Jacob Phillips, Jacoby Stevens, and then my boy Grant Delpit. Those are all, that's almost half the team. Think about that. Nine of the 22 starters are gone. When I when I was going over this question, I guess I didn't look at it from that perspective. They are losing a small junior college team. Like it's in terms of talent, like it's ridiculous. But I think they can, and it comes down to yes, they'll have to replace a boatload of talent. But I'm assuming uh, what's his name, S. Minger is still going to be there. He's the guy who's officially like the offensive play caller, even though Brady is bolted for the right. NFL. Right. True. But they're keeping the same offensive system and. It's LSU. Like, they'll always have dominant athletes available to to put in the game, and they'll always have a chance, especially with this system. But also, too, don't discount this. LSU is on the map now. You never know who could transfer there to kind of take the place of those guys that are leaving. I'm not saying they'll be the same level of impact, but I don't think they're going to completely fall off the map. So I think but, there's definitely a chance for them to repeat. But, see, that's why I'm saying, no, they definitely won't. Of course, everyone has a chance to win it, but – I think that's why they who has, will who not has a better chance of going to the college football playoff next year, them or Georgia? Um, again, it depends who they get at quarterback for Georgia. I mean, because we know what Georgia does year in and year out; they're always going to have the running backs. I think LSU. I think LSU could still be one of the top but, five teams. But you're just even saying, despite losing all these people, okay. so all they got to do, all they got to do is get in and get hot. That's all they got to do. But let's, you know what? Well, they would we'll, not have. In my opinion, they would not have beaten Clemson without without Burrow and Joe Brady, though. See, that's I, the difference. All right, you heard it there first. Burrow is Joe Montana. He's the best quarterback of all time. I did not say that. But he go, did. Next he question. Did. Let's oh, go. Can't, can't wait till, till he's a bust in NFL. But let's go to what everybody. I did. hope he is because the Steelers are going to have to play him twice a year. Yeah, you hoping he's the next Andy Dalton? Achilles Smith. Wow. <laughs> You don't get that lucky twice in a generation. I <laughs> know. Well, uh, let's let's switch gears. Uh, sticking with that same game, I feel like this has overshadowed the game itself. And it, like, like what is Odell Beckham doing? I feel like every day some new video comes out of him in a different part of the game, and he's doing something crazy. Legit, they can put together all the video of OBJ at the national championship game. And make it the fourth Hangover movie. Like it's ridiculous, like what he's been doing. <laughs> but, uh, but the main thing everybody's been talking about: uh, the police issued an arrest warrant for him uh, after there was video of him in the locker room after the game, uh, slapping a security guard on the butt for no reason. Don't know why. Uh, Donato, just based on what you've seen, what you've heard, like what, like what do you think about the whole OBJ situation? 
Well, by the way, JT, I believe you did post that to our uh, Instagram account, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, so unfortunately, we had to show the video. All right. So fans, if you have not seen the video of what OBJ did, of what Beckham did, please uh, take a look. Our our handle on Instagram at JT and the Dawn. And then, you know, since you're there, please follow us and uh, like our uh, postings that JD that that JT does a great job at. Um, I'm glad you clarified which situation because that was not the only incident that occurred after the national championship so, game. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get into this, let me just <laughs> let me just rephrase this. What was the funniest OBJ incident at the national championship game to you? Oh, it was the handing out of the money on the field to the LSU players. There's really? no doubt. See, I thought it was the whole him like trying to post up Carl Malone on the field, and Carl Malone's <laughs> like. This little drunk child, <laughs> what are you doing? Actually, I have not seen that. You should post that one. I actually did. Go take a look. Oh, I'm behind. Okay, okay. Um, so, I, okay, so let's talk about the security guard officer. I mean, do we really need to talk about all this with OBJ? I mean, man, can we just go on to a different topic? Like, l- listen, the officer came out and has said he doesn't want him arrested. If this was not OBJ and it was just a regular uh, individual in society, you know, in the locker room that did this, like, I don't think people would be making a big deal about it. And no one in the district attorney would not be trying to arrest just this random individual. So, I mean, I I don't know what to make of it. Like, he's going to get, you know, the misdemeanor. He'll get won't have jail time probably a fine and then you know it's he'll he'll move on he'll do something else that we'll laugh about oh definitely um i just think he was wasted and out of his mind <laughs> he was having a good time but all in all seriousness um he could he realistically could have screwed lsu i know he loves lsu and that's his alma mater but he really could have set them up for a failure because I know people don't want to talk about this, but I'm pretty sure this championship team for LSU was well paid for by like boosters and guys and people who really contribute money to the university. So I'm pretty sure everybody who's somebody in the state of Louisiana is behind the LSU football program. I'm pretty sure they can, they paid for some really good players to be on that team. And now you have this guy in OBJ who I'm pretty sure most people who are casual fans don't even know that he went to LSU. They're like, why is OBJ here? And he basically put them in the NCAA spotlight where now the NCAA has a free pass to come down and check out if everything at LSU is being run legit. And if I'm LSU, I'm like, OBJ, why would you do that? We just won a national championship. We got everything working fine. Like, don't don't put us at in this type of danger when we're clearly looking like we're ascending to a next level and we're ta- overtaking Alabama. So from that perspective, I didn't think what he did was cool. Uh, but I will say this. But that's the money incident you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the money incident. And just him just being a fool because even the video when he was slapping the security guard on the butt, like the security guard was talking to one of the players because he was trying to see, I guess, what was in his bottle for some reason. But now that's on camera. Now that's on video. Like there's just too much evidence of things going around. OBJ is bringing too much un unwarranted attention to the LSU program. I would argue this, though, JT, before you go to your next point. That I understand the way he did it's not right. But to me, and I know a lot of people will disagree with this because they don't think college players should get paid. But how is that any different than when LeBron James 
Oh, oh. Buys beats I'm not. I'm not saying I, I, agree with you, I agree with you 100. And and then OBJ sent beats to this team too. Like I agree. Like I, they should be paid. And this is something. The money problem didn't bother me, but it's just the rules that we have to follow right now. And I got you. And that's why I, I didn't make the money incident a big deal. But you bring up a great point that I didn't think about was that now you. He, maybe he's opening Pandora's box for the NCAA to investigate. Just you come know the, down and take a peek. You know, yeah. make sure everything at LSU is, you know, you know, copacetic. You know, everything is the way it's supposed to be. But I will say this, and then we can move on to the next topic. OBJ, if for any reason you randomly come across this recording and you listen to our show, first of all, follow us and leave us a five-star review. But I'm going to give you this advice. If you don't want people to talk about your sexuality – don't do things to give people a reason to talk about your sexuality. That's all I'm going to say. Donato, what's the next subject? On that note, man, you didn't tell me that was coming. But on, so let's let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> I want to talk about for those who cannot see him right now. The dawn is so red. He, he gets really uncomfortable when we go off script like this. But re- re- relax. It's just a warning to OBJ. Live your life. Do your thing. But look... <laughs> If you do certain things, people are going to react a certain way, and that was so unnecessary. All right, let me quickly move on to the next topic. So the NFL Divisional, let's first talk about the Packers. Packers, Seahawks, Packers win 28-23. JT, I feel like this is going to be a show that irks you a little bit because we're going to talk well, about— any, Well, all the shows irk me a little bit because <laughs> you're on them. So <laughs> but the fact that I got to listen to you just— I don't know. It just pisses me off a little bit. Have you heard yourself speak before? It's just like, oh, it's, it's, it's irritating. I mean, it's cool. We're, we're boys, but that's that's why we only do this once a week. I don't go back. I don't go back and listen to myself because I'm sure I would hate myself. And then two, um, you did say you were going to stand up for yourself this new year, but that was kind of rude what you just said about you. Yeah, oh, I don't care about that. All right, so let's just move on to someone I know that irritates you then, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, You know, there's certain times on the show that I always tell the listeners, these are questions. You know that JT comes up with these questions, and it's not myself, and it's not the rest of the production team because they're, like, really dramatic or they, they target a specific person. This is one of them. Is Aaron Rodgers officially being carried by his team? Oh, I'm sorry. Because that's just such a dramatic question. Yes, they're 14-3, and three, and he's down to career lows across the board statistically. Like, that's the definition of being carried. Like, they're winning in spite of his declining play. Like, he – and I said this before, and I know you looked at me sideways when I said it. When I said it. He – this year, Aaron Rodgers has been a game manager with a, fl- with a few blow-up games. Like I said, he's basically playing like Mitch Trubisky. Like that's who he is right now. Like if you if you look at the Packers as a whole, they're being driven by the running game and Aaron Jones like ridiculous amount of touchdowns this year and that defense that has played well. Like that's what's carrying the team and him being a game manager. Yeah, absolutely he's being carried. Well, you're wrong. No, he's not. It seems like he is from everything you said because he has been carrying his team. <laughs> listen, for- listen, hold, hold, listen to what he just said. 
if you look at the facts, yes, it seems like he's being carried, but I'm just not going to say yes, he's being carried because I don't want to agree with you. I didn't say the facts. I said everything that you said, it's the perception that looks like it, but I'll tell you why he is not. It's because he's been carrying his team for so long that we've expected him to play at that great, great level to carry his team. So it's the fact is, though, that you he, have you you having a hard time. No, with the fact this one. is, just, just say he's being carried. Just see, no, just say he's, he's not. Carried. Let me finish. The fact is that he's finally getting good help around him. So now he, you didn't ask the question: Has he declined? Is he not as great? Question is, you're saying is the team carrying him? And I'm saying no. They have finally found a balance. They're yes, carrying each other. He's like the, they're, they're they're holding hands. He, Side by side. It's a great lovely Yes, it's a great lovely marriage. They're skipping you are, down. You you know what? You know what? This is this is why I don't like you. You will do anything to, to just to prove your point. You will make up some ridiculous I'm, analogy I'm not I got this make Oh, there's there's, there's more go. There's more yes. fairy tale. Aaron facts. Jones. Aaron Jones running the game. This is the best running game he's had since I can't remember. Then you have a healthy Devontae Adams. Jimmy Graham's making key plays, such as he did at the end of the Seattle game. No, no, the the ghost of Jimmy Graham is out there catching the ball and falling down. (laughs) And the defense stops Russell Wilson, you know, in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go. That's something they didn't do in that NFC Championship game when they gave up two touchdowns at the end. So the question is, the answer to the question is, no, he is not being carried. All right? Apologies. Before we go on, because I know you're giving me that ridiculous look. Apologies to Zadarius Smith, man. I was 100% wrong about him in the preseason when they signed him to that big contract. I called him one of my uh, free agent busts, and he has he's really put on this year. So, hey, Zadarius. You should have saved that for sports confessions. We're going to have that later. Yeah, I had to get that off my chest now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go, let's go to the other quarterback uh, that played against Aaron Rodgers in that game. You Does, are such a you are such an Aaron Rodgers lover. No, like hold on, hold on, hold on. Side I'm really side not, story. Though. I'm you're really not you're not. not the only one. Like people love Aaron Rodgers so I'm, much. So like, so, hold on. Side note, uh, one of my really good friends, you know Anna, she's a huge Packers fan. So everybody's over at our house watching the game last week. She's going off. She's happy. She literally texted me. A, a feel-good story about Aaron Rodgers, about something he really did that was good for the community. And he was like, she's like, oh, she texted me, oh, see, he's not a jerk. I was like, I didn't say he was a jerk. I just said Yes, you have. Yes, you have. I said he's overrated. She texts me back. She goes, you're overrated. So, like, people will go to Ooh. great lengths, great lengths to defend Rodgers, and I'm used to it at this point. So you making up your whole soliloquy about why he's not being carried – this is just something I deal with on a daily basis, so uh, it's okay. I mean, I'm right, though. But anyway, does Russell Wilson need more help? Yeah, I think he does. But it's the same type of help he's needed forever. It's the offensive line, and he needs a, a legit threat at tight end. Like, they have the receivers, like DK and uh, Lockett are good enough. And the running backs, Carson and Penny, when they're healthy, they're they're good enough. And if they keep Lynch, like, that's a good group of running backs. But, yeah, he does need some more help. Yeah, he does. But I, I, I differ a little bit. I think he just needs an average defense that ranks, like, 15th or 16th in the league, not 26th. Because in that game, if they were able to stop Green Bay. 
Oh, so you mean he needs a defense to carry him? No. Okay. No, I no, got no. you. You said help, not to carry. I'm not saying he needs the Legion of Boom. See, you want to misinterpret everything I say. I didn't say he needs the Legion of Boom. I said he just needs an average defense. Just give me average. You're in the NFL. Be a professional. Stop Green Bay on third and longs when we need you to at the end of the game. We need one stop. That's all. And he would have got the ball back and won the game. And Aaron Rodgers knows it. That's why they threw on third downs. Next. Is, okay. All right, next. We're done with that. No more talking on that conversation. We're done with that. All right. Ravens versus Titans. Jim, oh, that, oh, I, I didn't even know this was next. This one, That's Jim. why you wanted to move on so quick. I, he's going to spend 20 minutes on this topic, but go ahead. The Titans, as the Don called it, won 28-12 against the Baltimore Ravens. JT, your dude, Lamar Jackson, is he still the MVP after another one-and-done in the playoffs? Yes. Next question. All right. So, I disagree because from the jump, I told you it is Russell Wilson. And he and it was did he proven. Did he win his game? No, because of the defense. Oh, okay. Which whatever. Lamar Jackson yeah. has a defense. All right. Lamar now knows how it feels to be Russell Wilson. When the defense can't stop anybody, all right, they can't stop the run, and no receivers are making plays. That's what Russell Wilson has been dealing with the past three years until he got some receivers this year. So it is Russell Wilson. Next, Marlon Humphreys was quoted basically. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have to argue with you because you know Lamar is going to win the MVP. He, but that's not the question. The question is, yeah, he may win, but – I'm right. It should be Russell Wilson. And we've I've I've given you the analogy already last week, the whole Geno Smith thing, and let's not get into it again. So let's just officially say the Don and Bill Polian are sharing an MVP vote. <laughs> I don't totally agree with Bill Polian. Or I don't agree with what he said. Lamar Jackson is a quarterback in the NFL, and he's a really good one. You think he's a quarterback? No. Okay, wow. I, I said he – that's, that's, that's a phenomenal observation. No, I said he is, an, he is a quarterback in the NFL, and he's a really good one. I'm not saying he should have ever went to receiver. What I'm saying is, though, he's not the MVP this season. He may be in future years, but not this season. How hard is that to understand? Very hard when you look at the stats. No, it's not. We went over the stats last would you, week. Would you, would, you, would you give it a rest? <laughs> Russell Wilson's not winning the MVP. And thank God you don't have a vote because you be up there holding up the whole ceremony trying to get you – be you. Lamar Jackson would win and you go on the stage and pull a Kanye and Taylor Swift. Like, that's what you would do. Uh, all right, let's go on to Marlon Humphreys. Uh, he basically said that the Ravens, this is what they do. They make the playoffs and they choke. Is it true, JT? No. And I know and I'm glad he said it because it just shows that he's a young player that's frustrated with losing. But I feel you gotta put it in perspective. This is just growing pains. And you brought up Lamar Jackson. Like I know the stats look great because he patted him in garbage time, but he wasn't the reason they lost that game against the Titans. And you gotta look you gotta look at where you are and be realistic with yourself. Last year when the Ravens made the playoffs, nobody expected him to be a good team. And Lamar was a rookie, and they made the playoffs. This year, they took a step forward much further than people thought they would, and 
what happened? They got to the playoffs and they ran into a buzzsaw in the Tennessee Titans. And if you look, if you just step back and look at it, the Tennessee Titans are making a lot of franchises have some questions that are uncomfortable. They beat the Patriots. Everybody's asking, oh, because the Titans beat the Patriots, are, is the Patriots dynasty done? You're asking, you know, are the Ravens choker? Should Lamar Jackson be the MVP? They are a good team that's being disrespected and underrated, and their defense is not being respected. That is a good Tennessee Titans team that's well coached. If they go out there and beat KC, what's going to be the next thing that they say? Oh, Andy Reid choked again. You know, no, at some point you got to give the Tennessee Titans credit. Like, that's a good team. So, Marlon Humphrey, I understand. I know Lamar Jackson's going to be pissed just like he was when he lost in the playoffs last offseason. But you guys are young. You've only been at this for two years. Like, stay hungry. It's going to come. Like, you're going to have that breakthrough. Yeah, I mean, last year they played in the wild card, so I don't know how you lose in the wild card and, you know, you're choking. Um, they're a young team. You called it. Like, they're a young team, so it's not like they've been here five years in a row and have done this. Plus, the yeah, other th- th- they're not the Bills, like, going to the Super Bowl, like, wow. four straight times. Like, that's choking. Wow. Woo, a low blow to the Buffalo fans. Um, Bills Mafia is coming after you, JT. I uh, hope they do. We want to get that on camera. I love the Bills Mafia. <laughs> so the other reason – that they didn't that this is not what they do in terms of that they choke is that John Harbaugh is not known to be a coach that chokes in the playoffs like he's always tough against New England he has a Super Bowl ring so that is not his DNA like that's not his team's DNA so I think Marlon Humphreys was just frustrated um like you said just a young player now speaking of the Titans Ryan Tannehill Someone you've watched a lot of with the Dolphins, JT. Really haven't watched him that much over the past couple of years because he's been hurt, but okay. True, but you've seen enough. Is he a top 12 QB? And let me throw this question on there. How would it look if he wins the Super Bowl in Miami? I guess I have to call him a top 12 quarterback. Like, Is he within the top half of the league starters? In this system, probably, so I'll give him that. Like, he's probably 12. But, so here's the thing. I think it's going to be, if he does come down to Miami and they win the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be hilarious because we get to see firsthand as Dolphins fans, the Titans get really excited and make a mistake and sign him to a big-time, long-term deal. So, I it will, I don't I think it it won't look bad because if they do win the Super Bowl here it will be because Derrick Henry just ran all over whoever they face, but I don't know I don't think it's gonna have any significant meaning if he wins here or not. So um, Titans, if if you want to make a smart move, don't sign into a long term deal. Put the money in Derrick Henry and just move on. Well, as of I mean, like right now as we sit here, prior to the championship games, I don't think he is top twelve. Um, you don't think he's a top, he like he's been he's I, been a top twelve quarterback like in this stretch he's been a starter for the Titans like for sure. But I'm just saying like it depends what you define as top twelve. Are you looking at only statistics or? But like I still wouldn't take they, him as a, his, as a top his statistics 12. have been have been pretty good and they were basically a lottery team when he took over as a starter. Now they're in the AFC Championship game. Like it's. Derrick Henry's been great, don't get me wrong, but like Ryan Tannehill has played well for the Titans, so I do think yeah. that he's played like a top 12 quarterback. Uh, top 12? I don't know. I mean, that's 
I still think you that gonna, that's you're going to put Mason Rudolph in there? Like, who do you want? I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks, though. You can take pretty much all the other ones that, like, that made the playoffs and some that didn't. So, like, all I'm saying is I don't – I would not put him in top 12 right now because Derrick Henry is just different. Like, he's a difference maker. He's going to make – like, I love to go back, at, like, and look to see how they really constructed the offense with Mariota and Henry. Like, he's just a difference maker the way he's running right now. And this is the way he can prove it to me. See when it comes to pass against the Chiefs, because he's going to have to make some passes in this game. Can he do it? Can he put up the points when they need it fast? Because I think they're going to need to do that. So he has a chance to prove that. Let's Speaking of Derrick Henry, is he the best running back in the NFL? No, and I feel bad saying it. It's still Christian McCaffrey. I um, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but he's for sure number two, and his playoff run has been incredible. Um, obviously, we have never seen anything like it. Uh, like I said before, Titans should just pay him what they can. Like he's a he's a rare dude. Like you said, he's different. And you know what was crazy about Derrick Henry that I knew this, but I had to go back and look at the numbers. So I know. Real quick, I know you're against running backs and paying them, and like you should tag them, and that's exactly what you should do. Like, have you seen his workload since he's come into the league? Like his rookie season, I think he touched the ball what 110 times. Year two, 175. Uh, last year, 215. He has 300 this year. Like this is his first 300 carry season, and he's four years into the league. Like I don't think he's worn down at all. Like. This is a. This seems like a running back that like you should build around. But, like he has minimal tread. But remember, that's always the big thing: is how do they respond after getting that three hundred touch season? And he agreed. So we'll agreed. see next year. Um. Yeah, I agree with you. It's Christian McCaffrey. Like Derrick Henry is in the perfect system for him, though. So let's not get that wrong either. Um. But it's still McCaffrey. I mean. Do we need to go over the numbers with McCaffrey? Because the difference. No, 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 we don't. I, okay. I agree with you. The, McCaffrey's the, the a beast. difference like, he, is he's the top one. Yeah, the difference is the receiving aspect that Henry doesn't do quite as much. He, but he does it well though, because I feel like every time he catches one of those like screens, he takes it to the house like but, seventy yards. But, so it's there. He just doesn't have the workload that McCaffrey's had this year. But most of it's out of the screen part. So a lot of that is the right play call at the right time with the perfect blocking. Whereas McCaffrey, you can put him at the receiver slot and he'll get open. Yeah, true. So Chiefs Texans, the Chiefs with the comeback victory, even though the score doesn't indicate it, fifty-one thirty-one. The Texans were up 21-0 at the end of the first quarter, the only team to ever blow a 21-point first quarter lead. And then they blew a 24-point lead a couple minutes into the second quarter where by the time halftime came around, I believe they were trailing. So JT brings up the age-old question for the Texans and Bill O'Brien. Is it time to move on from Bill O'Brien? And not only that, from J.J. Watt. Yeah, I think 100% it's time to move on from Bill O'Brien. And I don't know if you saw this in this game, but there was a point, I think it was in the fourth quarter, where the Texans were obviously down, and every every play is like four-down territory, every drive. And there was like a fourth, I think it was like a fourth and six, and Deshaun Watson and the rest of the offense wanted to go for it. And Bill O'Brien was like, no, we're going to punt it. And Deshaun Watson goes over to the sideline and is like, dude, 
we're losing. Are you serious? And Bill O'Brien's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And he calls a timeout, and they go for it anyway and don't get it. Like, you, come on. You you have to be aware of what's going on. Like, you're down to the Chiefs. Like, this is the playoffs. You're, of course you have to go for it. Like, you, sh- you should have known. Every, every, every drive is four downs no matter what. And if we get to this part of the field, this is what we're going to do. Like, he's just been blowing game plans and calls for years for the Titans. And, like, he's been screwing them over. And, like, he's, if, if they keep him as a coach, he's going to waste Deshaun Watson's prime. If Watson doesn't waste his own prime with, like, holding on to the ball too long like an idiot. But that's beside the point. But, yeah, it's time to move on from him. And with J.J., I don't know if it's time to move on from him. I just think that if you're going to keep him, you have to – except two things. One, he's older, and he's clearly broken down, so you don't know how long he's going to hold up. And also, you don't know how long he's going to want to go out there himself. You don't know when he's going to walk away from the game because he's already said like he doesn't plan on playing forever. And then two, you have to realize like the NFL is changing, so it's a quick pass, like get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast type of game. So those edge rushers, maybe like four or five years ago, like they were dominant, like they don't impact the game as many times as they used to. So like you got to keep that in mind when you think about like still trying to build a defense around a guy like JJ Watt. Well, with Watt, I don't think it's I don't think they should get rid of him. I don't think it's time to move on from him yet because you know, I don't know if I necessarily agree with what you said there at the end, but I think he's I, still I, I I don't I don't expect you to, but it's okay. Even at his older age, I still think he can make, you know, a, a, a decent impact. Um, contract things another thing but I think they need to keep him he's kind of their heart and soul Bill O'Brien yes time to move on listen he's done a great job to get them where they're at no they've done a good job to get them where they're at Who, the GM that they don't have <laughs> no how about the players like Deshaun Watson like breaking like defend, like eluding like two tacklers hitting them at the same time like they're doing this not not Bill O'Brien well, I think he's done a great, a good job then of getting them to where they're at now. But to get over that hump, they need a new coach. Like, they need new blood, and they need a GM. Let's face it, man. They need a true GM in there because they've lost their last four divisional playoff games. Like, that's a sign of the coach and as well as, I think, the front office. And then, listen, I mean, don't forget, 2015, they got shut out at home 30 to nothing to who? The Chiefs. So, He's had his chance. Like, he's had time. I like how Houston's been patient with him, but time to move on. So, let's stay on the Texans. What went wrong for the Texans, either for the season, JT, or this particular game? Uh, I guess when you gave me this question, I was just strictly thinking for the game. Um, Which is fine. That's what I did, too. (laughs) Yeah, it was – I don't know. This game was weird because, first of all, there was, like, some fluky turnovers. Like, they had – the Chiefs had their first three scores were just turnovers, and they started their drives like in, like in Texas territory. So it it was you can't give the Chiefs a short field to work with, and damn sure can't give them like within the thirty yard line to start every every drive. Like they're gonna score. And I know I love Deshaun Watson. I think he's like one of the top quarterbacks, and I think he'll he'll win a Super Bowl. But in this playoffs, I feel like there's been moments where he's been great, but he just hasn't elevated this team the way Mahomes does with the Chiefs like he just hasn't done yet and some of that might be O'Brien like we said we don't know but he just hasn't done it and we already talked about it uh scary playing not to lose play calling by Bill O'Brien 
And then let's just call it what it is. The defense for the Texans has been terrible the past few seasons. Yeah, J.J. Watt and your boy Jadavion Clowney when he was there, like they get all this hype for being, you know, this upfront, this dominant force. But guess what? That secondary hasn't been able to cover a soul for like five years. And now they're still as bad as ever. And you got aging pass rushers up front that can't pass rush anymore. So, yeah, the defense was terrible. They got roasted in coverage and they weren't getting to the quarterback. So all that put together was is what ultimately did the Texans in against the Chiefs. Well, what I think did them in was special teams and Bill O'Brien. I mean, they're up 24 nothing. Special teams gives up a huge return to McCole Hardman. And four plays later, the Chiefs score. And it makes it 24-7. And I think right there, it really turned the momentum. The crowd got into it. And Mahomes and that offense just caught fire. And that was huge. I think if you pin them inside the 20, make them work. 80 yards, maybe they score, maybe they don't, but it's not a quick score. Um, And then the Bill O'Brien call, or whoever made this call, you're up 24-7, basically at your own 31 on like a fourth and six, a fake punt? That's the one way. Oh, I forgot about that dumbass decision. (laughs) That's the one way you get them back in the game. Not only does it change the momentum even more, but you're giving them Basically a touchdown. You're donating them a touchdown by putting the ball at the 30, at your own 30, and say, here, Patrick Mahomes, instead of going 70, 80 yards, you only need to go 30. And I think like two plays later or four again or whatever, another quick score, and all of a sudden you you look up, three minutes have elapsed, and it's 24-14. Like you can't let that happen. A lot of that is on the coaching staff um, and not so much the players that turn the momentum there. So speaking of the other coach, JT, are the Chiefs or more so Andy Reid's playoff demons over? No, the playing field so far, just it's just been leveled. Uh, the Patriots are down. The Ravens are out of the playoffs. Like, But the thing is, like we already kind of talked about this a little bit before. They realistically could lose this game to the Tennessee Titans. Like I'm not 100% sold. Like they're just going to just run them out the building like they could, but – no, like Andy Reid's going to have to get to the Super Bowl and win before I say his playoff demons are over. Because that's ultimately what's going to convince us that he's, you know, turned the page and, and become this next level coach. Like he has to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he, he's got to win the Super Bowl. And he's gone to too many title games, AFC and NFC, and lost at home. And with so, some loaded squads. Like, yeah. I feel like this is like Me. this team, this team is a Madden team. Like, it's unbeatable. Right. Like, nobody right. should, like Tyreek Hill said, nobody should be able to cover them. Like, and, there's nobody on the planet that can cover all those guys. And I mean, he, if they lose this game, it's crazy. Yeah, he was favored in the first three, I think, NFC title games at home in Philly. So, um, and listen, they would have lost this game if Bill Bryan was not Bill O'Brien was not on the other sideline. Yeah. Like, yeah, so, if they had if they, if they had they had you, they would have won the game. Hey. Thanks, JT. Nicest thing you've said since uh, in our the history of our uh, 34 episodes of the show. Remind me not to do that again. <laughs> so one last thing on this one, JT, that I want to know, because I mentioned no GM by the Texans. They don't they don't technically have someone in that title position. So did all the moves the Texans made this past offseason, meaning in free agency and then the the two big trades that they made or the couple big trades that they made was it worth it did it no, prove that I, it was worth it no and i told you this was stupid at the time so 
They could have used Clowney this season. They could have used him in this game against the Chiefs. Oh, he's not there. You shipped him out. Kenny Stills was still an average receiver, just like he was in Miami. Good job. Thank you for taking us, taking him off our hands. Laramie Tunsil, offensive tackle, was good but not great. Uh, Deshaun Watson still got smacked all season, and now they're down two first-round picks. No, this was a disaster. Uh, yeah, definitely not worth it. And I think I told you at the time that I didn't like that trade for either team. The Dolphins. Oh, I loved it for us, but I didn't like it for them. I, I still don't like it for either one of you because I told you at some point you got to keep the guys that you just drafted. If not, what's the point of accumulating all these picks? And, you know, the Texans made no moves to improve their running game. And like you said, Watson's still running for his life. So, yeah, it's great to have a guy like Tunzel, but didn't help much. And you said it even earlier. They still, like, teams are just shredding this defense. And now you don't have those draft picks. Like, to, they're bad. Their yeah. defense is bad. I feel like they have names that you recognize, right. but they get roasted every and, week. And they don't have the draft picks now to get those guys in position over the next couple years. So, I don't know how they're going to fix that defense. Well, one team that doesn't need to worry about defense right now is the San Francisco 49ers. They beat the Vikings 27-10 at home. In San Francisco, or I should say in Santa Clara, excuse me. So, first question, JT. It's an interesting question. Nick Bosa, the rookie, is he the best defensive player in the NFL already? Oh, is that where we are now? We're just, we're just, we're just skipping him to the front JT, of the line? listen, we know this is your type of question because you love these sort of questions. This is an unnecessary question, in my opinion, but the producers... Should we skip it? Should we skip it since it's so unnecessary? We can skip it. Let's skip it, but I know you want to talk about it, so talk about it. No, uh, shout out to Bosa, because I feel like everything that, that, he, that he told us was going to happen before the season happened, like he told us his defense was going to be nasty. He said they were talented. If they stayed healthy, they would go far. And, like, they are. Like, they're the best team in the league. Um, is he the best defensive player in the NFL? So, it's hard for me to say that because, one, I mean, he's he's for sure the best rookie. He's dominant. But he's also playing on a team in that, in that front seven where there's a lot of guys up there that are really, really talented, like Armstead, Solomon Thomas, Quan Alexander, uh, DeForest Buckner. Like, there's a, there, like there's, it's very hard to double-team somebody, like, up front for the 49ers. So he gets a lot of one-on-ones, but he's still talented. From a defensive line standpoint, I got to say no, just because there's a guy out west in his own division that's still killing it, but nobody knows that he's alive, and that's Chandler Jones. Like, I think he – did he not lead the league in sacks again? If not, he's, like, top two. Like, he's been doing that for the past five years. Like, best defensive lineman and pass rusher is Chandler Jones. And, like, it's just he plays on a sorry team and nobody knows. Best defensive player? I got to say it's Minka, just the impact he's had this year. Like, that guy's the best defensive player. Like, he's changing games. And he helped the Steelers almost make the playoffs with no, with no offense. Like, nobody on offense. So, I got to say the answer to that question right now is no, but he can get there. Yeah, not yet. The, you know, not yet the best defensive player in the league, but I'm impressed. Don't get me wrong. He did better than I thought he would, so I am impressed. Shoot, I'm the one that said after his combine performance, <laughs> he might be impressed. <laughs> well, but gotta, I had a good argument, though. I had a good you argument. you got a couple though. sports confessions, it sounds like, today. Um, but listen, he's becoming a game wrecker, man. He is yeah. becoming a game wrecker. 
Uh, but not the best yet because Aaron Donald's still in the league. Khalil Mack's still in yeah, the league. Forgot about Aaron Donald. Yeah. <laughs> Minka. I, I got Minka written down what you said. Listen, you, you can go even so far as to say Fletcher Cox. I mean, he's such a big part of the Eagles' defense because when he's not there, they're not as good. And then the guy you mentioned earlier in this episode, Darius uh, – or I'm sorry, you didn't mention him. Darius Leonard, all right? I mean, you can throw him oh, in Oh, yeah, he's, he's a monster too. So, like, not yet Nick Bosa, but – I'll give him top ten right now. You've been I'll impressive. Him, I'll put him in that category, yeah. You've been impressive. Niners have been impressive, JT – even into the first game of their playoffs. So, are they the Super Bowl favorites? 100%. I don't even have to say anything else. Uh, I think they are, but you know who doesn't think they are? You. Vegas. I said I think they are. Vegas doesn't think so. Because Kansas City has the best odds right now to win the Super Bowl, not the Niners. The Niners are a close second I think they're saying that because the Patriots aren't in the playoffs anymore, but I don't think the Patriots would have mattered this year. Uh, I think Vegas has got a little fool's gold. It's got to be the Niners. Well, yeah, I think it's the Niners. Dude, they can run with multiple backs. Now they've settled on most start. Um, The defense can get to the quarterback without blitzing. Quan Alexander is back. Sherman's playing like he's back in Seattle. I mean, they've got everything going. So I think it's the Niners. Other side of the field, the Vikings. JT, is it time to blow up that team? Absolutely. Oh, and come on. I, no, and I told you in the preseason that Zimmer is one of my overrated coaches. It's time. Like, and I feel bad because I feel like the gap for the Vikings to be dominant just it, it was open and then it just closed so fast. Like they're just not the same team. Xavier Rhodes is old. Like I, I don't even, is Harrison Smith still back there because they're. A couple years yeah. ago, they're like, oh, he's he's the best safety in the league. And, he's like, all there. I see is just, just people just roasting them in coverage. Like, and and I hate to say this, but things in dealing just aren't enough. Like, they're great, but they just aren't enough. And you throw in the fact that they're stuck with Cousins because they owe him a lot of money. It's just – it just seems over. It's like, only, just never – It's technically only one more year because he signed that three-year, like, Ooh. $84 million deal. It was a okay. short-term one. All right. All right, well, I guess they're not as stuck as I thought they were. But it just seems that they need a change. They need to blow it up. Uh, it's not working. No, you don't blow it up. And let me tell you why. They've made great strides. When Dalvin Cook is healthy, that's a really good team. That's and a big if, though. And he are, like he already broke down at the end of the year. So do you really trust Dalvin Cook next year to, to play all 16? Not necessarily, but they've got good backups to maybe ease some of the carries so he can be more fresh late in the year. I think this is the biggest thing, though, is who they hire for offensive coordinator. Because I know everyone Stefanski liked everyone is a, is a nightmare. Everyone liked what's that? Stefanski is a nightmare. In what way? I just don't think he's a good fit for that team. So that's what I was going to say. Stefanski, everyone liked him, and you know he gets hired away, but. I was not impressed with this play calling against the Niners. I mean, listen. It was predictable. Yeah. All season they were predictable. They yeah. threw 10. I think they threw something like 10 passes in the first game of the season. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Yeah. Not only was it predictable against the Niners, but then when you're behind, listen, what's it matter if you lose 50 to 10 or 27 to 10? You got to throw caution to the wind and let it rip. Like, get Diggs or Thielen. They can't double cover both. Get one of them one on one and just send a flyer and let Cousins heave it to loosen. Well, first, th- of, first of all, this isn't Madden, so 
You just can't be like, all right, everybody run deep routes. Everybody run go routes. I'm not saying everyone. I'm saying the matchup you find, you have them run a go route because it's simple. You said it was predictable. Everything was short. JT, when you're down 27-10 against a great team like that, that's getting a four-man pass rush, you've got to get creative. And I didn't see any creativity from him. So, I, I mean, I think that's a huge hire. Can they get someone that Stephon Diggs believes in and likes as well as that can work with Cousins and continue to develop him? Because if they can't, it doesn't matter what they do with the rest of the team. So, the 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, I'm a big fan of his. Is he, or should he actually, because he is not at this moment, but should he be a favorite for a head coaching job? Richard Sherman said this best when he tweeted, I think when the Browns hired Stefanski, like this is ridiculous. Absolutely, he should be a favorite. Him and, and I'm, I'm going to keep beating this drum until somebody actually goes out there and makes a smart call. Him and Chiefs offensive coordinator, coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Should easily. Then I'm gonna throw in um, what's his name? Uh, is it Chris Richard? That's the uh, defensive coordinator in Dallas. Like those three guys should be the favorites for every head coaching job, and it's ridiculous that they're not. Well, I think specifically with Robert Sala, yes, you know he's got high energy, such a passion, and the players play hard. That team for him. was that defense was underachieving. They they've had those guys for the past two years on that team, especially up front, and Bosa is the only addition. They're, in, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Absolutely. Well, he gets them to play hard for him, and, and that's always a sign of, I think, uh, of a good coach. You know, and usually a, a number two ranked defense, that coordinator is a hot commodity. And so, you know, I think he should be. And, you know, the stats back it up there as far as what the 49ers defense has done. So, JT, we've already looked in the past. Let's look ahead. The AFC and NFC Championship. Championship weekend. First one, AFC will go first. Titans at Chiefs. One storyline, JT. Don't give me your three different storylines like you would, like you usually uh, like to do. One storyline, what to watch for uh, that you can tell the fans. Uh, can the Chiefs be the first team to slow down Derrick Henry? All right, fair enough. I've got to say Andy Reid managing the team. His clock management. Will he get conservative? Will he mess up at the end of the half and the end of the game if it's close with his clock management? We've seen it before. So I think that that's going to be a big storyline. how tight is A.D. Reed right now? Like, you know, like, if, if you were just a close <laughs> friend of his, he's probably so tight right now. Like, his cholesterol is through the roof. Like, he is nervous <laughs> as shit right now. He's like, damn. We're back in the same spot again. Like I, I, I know this is an uncomfortable weekend for him. He's like he, he's he's like even these two fools, JT and the Don, are criticizing me for clock management. What do they he's know? Like, see, see, even they think I can't do it. <laughs> Just cancel the whole thing. Can I do? You think I can do this? Like he is tight right now. <laughs> well, let's let's uh, let's continue with that though. If he loses again, all right. Similar to what we were talking about before, though. Would he be known as the biggest choker as a coach in NFL history? No. And I think people. Who do you have sh- then? They, I'm thinking you got to go like somebody like Schottenheimer or like Marv Levy. <laughs> wow. Wow. I but, mean, but I, no. was thinking, I was thinking Schottenheimer, but I'll give you my reason why I think it's Reed, but I'll let you no, finish first. I don't think it's him. And 
in particular is just because this if they lose this year i'm gonna put an asterisk next to it it's just because like everybody like i said before everybody just thinks this titans team is just lucky because they're not sexy they're legit super bowl contenders they have a really really good defense and an elite running game. Like, literally, this is the blueprint to win a Super Bowl late in the year. Like, this is this is how but, teams do it, and but, the Titans have it. But this is why, because I feel like we've knocked coaches the last couple weeks a lot. But but this is why. I mean, let, let's also be, you know, honest and, and be able to speak our opinion here is that, listen, I've got to say yes because he's taken the Chiefs to the playoffs six times, okay? He's won Three games. Four of them with Alex Smith, though. So, like, let's not discount that. Doesn't matter. When you get there. But we're talking about biggest choke. We're not saying he's not a good coach. He is a very good coach. We're talking about choking at the wrong moments. He's one in five. This is going to be a seventh appearance in an AFC or NFC title game. He's one in five in the other six, JT. Come on. Some of that has fallen on him because they've been favorites. They've had the more talented team, and they've been the better team. He lost, okay? He lost his first three NFC title games. He lost back the only coach ever to and lose some of that, back and some of that back has title fallen games at on home. D Ford too. Some of that's fallen on D Ford. He's not going to be this year. Bro, be there this year to be no, offside. No, no, no. That's one time. I'm talking about in Philly. What happened in Philly? You lost four of them. You're the only coach in the history of the NFL to lose two NFC title games back to back at home. At How home. You said he's been the five NFC championship games, right? Or five championship games, no, period, right? He's he's been the five NFC. He's one and four, and he's zero and one in the AFC. The seventh one is on Sunday. How many coaches have been? How many coaches have been to a championship that's game not seven the times? Question. Like that's crazy. But I mean, you can't call him overrated. So, so Mar- I didn't say overrated. I said well, he's cho- the you can't call choker. him the biggest choker. Like he's getting then, him there. Then that's a hard game to win because the why? next game is a Super Bowl. All right, let me finish. Let me ask my question. Then why do you think it's Marv Levy? He's the only coach ever to get there four times in a row. You know how difficult that is? It's so difficult. Lombardi couldn't do it. Belichick it just, couldn't do it. It just, it, just, it, just, it just seems like a joke in the Super Bowl. Whatever. The other, the other reason is it's the way they lose those games, right? The Super Bowl. He lost because of clock management. They were down 10 with seven minutes. They go on a 13-play drive. There needs to be urgency there with He McNabb. lost that game because Donovan McNabb no. tightened up. No. It's because of that, his play call. Go, go, go ask Terrell Owens why they lost that game. He, he ain't going to say Andy Reid. Because they didn't get him the ball enough down the field. It ain't, they took 13 plays to score at the end. They didn't even get a chance for an onside kick. And, oh, by the way, do you want to recall when they blew a 38 38- 10 lead to the Colts in the playoffs. You know who the coach of the Chiefs was? Andy Reid. All right, enough said. What's your prediction in that game, JT? Well, damn. Considering that he's a huge choker, I should just flip my re- uh, my prediction. But, no, I think he gets it done this time. I think they're going to handle the Titans 35-21. All right, I, I'm going to go with the Chiefs because of Mahomes. 31-24. Next game, Packers at 49ers. The one storyline for the fans to look for in that game. Will Aaron Rodgers turn back into the vintage Aaron Rodgers and lead the Packers past a truly elite defense on the road to go to the Super Bowl? It's because, I mean, he he's getting he's carried. He's going to have to. He's getting carried he's, by his he's team. He's getting carried. It's, it's, it's time for him to pull his weight. No, legit, wow. that is the storyline of this game because they already played the 49ers once and they ran them out of the building 
Aaron Rodgers is going to have to put them on his back to win this game. Well, that's why I think it's a little bit of the opposite. I think it's Aaron Jones. I think if the Niners stop him, game over. Like if the Packers cannot run the ball, game over. Forget about it. Get back on the bus and head so back. So Aaron to the Jones tundra. can't carry the Packers and the game is over. It's not him carrying them. See, it's literally it's literally him carrying. You don't them. listen. That's what you just said they need to be able to effectively run the ball. He doesn't need to run for two hundred. He's got when when they run the ball, it has just to be listen, for good. Listen positive to what you're yards. saying. You're like. Like, Aaron Jones needs to effectively have a great game so Aaron Rodgers can throw for his 220 yards and one touchdown. Like, that's the definition of being carried. No, it's so that the front four of the Niners can't just pin their ears and get after Rodgers. Because I don't care if you're a Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Terry Bradshaw. When those four are getting after you, not having to worry about the run, you got no time. And no quarterback is as good as they are when they've got guys in their face under pressure, all right? So, again, I mean, you're, you're just ridiculous, you know? You just frustrate me. Frustrate me. You should. Fr- you frustrate yourself. <laughs> well, you you know there's times where you should just come over to the dark no, side. Like you, no, you, because you know what the, it is. Look at the you Vikings. Know, you, you, you're frustrating yourself. You, Lamar Jackson's the MVP. No, Aaron Rodgers is done. Like, Do you that's know? That's easy. That is easy. Do you know what Dalvin Cook ran for against them last weekend? Nine carries, 18 yards. I don't care if you got Tom Brady back there. Your running back does that. There's no way you beat that Niners defense throwing the ball 50 times. If Brady had some weapons, Brady would find a way to get it done. What's your next question? Exactly. Roger still doesn't have enough. That's why they're not carrying him. He's still They're equally carrying their own weight. Next question. If the Packers win... Do the Packer fans have a right to think about all the what-ifs in terms of missing out on Rodgers' prime years by keeping Mike McCarthy for so long? I can see how they would do that, but to me, if I were a Packers fan, I really would be more of like what was going on. Whoever was the person, like I'm assuming to a Ted Thompson, you wasted his prime with bad drafts and making no moves in free agency. Like that would be the thought process that I would be most upset about. Like McCarthy, like actually was a good thing for a bunch of years. And then he just became outdated, but yeah, they, they, they never go after anybody in free agency and they, how many bad drafts do they have? Like there's like a handful of guys you can count. that like panned out. Well, I think that they have a right to think of the what-ifs. I mean, this is LaFleur's first year, and he's going to go to a Super Bowl if they win? Of course. Like, I mean, you have to think that it was then McCarthy holding them back. And you're right, front office as well. Like, the front office, terrible moves. So you got to No moves. (laughs) Yeah, no moves. I mean, you got to wonder – as well, the what-ifs with the front office. And maybe McCarthy was somewhat tied to that, though. So that's why, yeah, I think the fans definitely, I would be thinking that even as a non-Packers fan. So what's your prediction in this one, JT? Uh, I think the Niners win 27-13. to 13. Okay, I think they win 30-9. to nine. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna. All, it's all gonna be on Aaron Rodgers. All <laughs> I said 49ers win. Mason Crosby, uh, Packers MVP for this game. <laughs> Three so, field goals. Three field goals. <laughs> oh man. 
No respect. So uh, let's stick with the NFL uh, on a little bit of a, you know, sad or disappointing note. Uh, Carolina Panthers all-pro linebacker Luke Keekley retired early uh, this week. Um, of course, sending shockwaves through the NFL as they were hoping he would come back for the rest of his career. Donato, with Keekley and other players seemingly retiring earlier and earlier in the NFL, do you think that this is going to be a problem for the league? You know, again, this must be a JT topic. Like, this is such a JT topic. Always being any to- so so any dramatic. topic any topic that, that that I ask you is a topic for me is my topic. Is that what you're saying? No, because it's a dramatic one, and I'll tell you why. No, it's not a problem. It has happened before multiple times. You can go back as far as Jim Brown if you want. Barry Sanders. This this happens. There's going to be some stars that are like, "Hey, I'm good. I want to hang it up," and. Tell me this, what other stars besides Keekly, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders retired in their prime recently? And I'm talking about big uh, stars. Listen, 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 listen. I'll listen. give you a list. I'll give you a list. I'm talking about big stars. Don't give me okay. these just starters. I'm okay, talking I'll about superstars, the face think, of the do, NFL. Do you think Gronk is a star? Okay, yes, I'll give you that one. Andrew Luck? I'll give you that one. Calvin Johnson? I'll give you that one. Cam Chancellor? He was the Legion of Boom. Like he was that guy. He wasn't the face. If it was Sherman, I'll give you Sherman. But He's people not really knew the face of the NFL. I, well, Gronk, Luck, Megatron for sure. Cam Chancellor to me, I but think is a big is, name. But this is but, my. And then I'll, I'll give you one more that's not a star uh, that people forget about: Doug Baldwin. Yeah, see that that doesn't count. So what I will say to to counter that though is this. As long as QBs, and on that whole list, the only one you named was Andrew Luck. As long as the QBs, there's not a wave of them retiring early, the NFL is going to be fine. You know why? Because there's always going to be the next star. Guess what? Antonio Brown's fading away. Guess what's happening? Here comes OBJ. Still got Julio Jones. D-Hop has become a, a bigger face, right? You're seeing him on commercials now. Like, that's just the way it is. MJ retired. Oh, is it a problem, NBA scrambling? Listen, Kobe's got us, and then here comes LeBron. Uh-oh, LeBron's starting to fade away. All of a sudden, we got this here guy. Here comes Luka Doncic. <laughs> My boy. No, but you got Giannis, the Greek freak. You got Zion. Like, that's just the way it is. It's a cycle. So that's why, to me, it's not really a concern. Like, for the individual players, absolutely, that's a concern. But for the league overall, <laughs> don't worry about them. They'll be fine. Yeah, I think it's not a problem. The NFL has never been about individual stars. Like you said, it's it's for them it's more about the product and the teams. Um I and you kind of I, I was going to ask the question but you already kind of answered it. Like the guys that I just rattled off, like is the NFL struggling without them? No, like Andrew Luck literally quit before the season like you, nobody's talking about you it. You know what? Yeah, I was going to say not many people miss luck. I think of all the guys you named, the one that may be the NFL, Wrong, but es- for yeah, sure, especially Wrong. New England, but that's because as- he ru- he ruined a dynasty by yeah. by retiring. But that's as far as like the actual team. Like as a Steeler fan, yeah, I would still have liked to see him play, just because you want to see great players play. But like overall, it's not like oh man, like this is devastating to the league. No, and this is and even oh Patrick Willis was going to be the other guy that I named and. They retired early, but I'll say this. This is going to happen more and more because these guys are getting paid more money and they're getting it faster. So, hey, right. once I get $50 million in my bank account, I'm out. Right. 
Right. So I want to be able to walk. I want to be able in 60 years to be able to remember stuff. Yeah, of course. Well, sticking with the Panthers. Uh, whoa, whoa, they whoa, did... whoa. Ask me the question. I know you talked about this in the production meeting. Ask me the question with Keekly. You told me not to ask I, the question. I didn't say you said you're going to ask it anyway. So ask it. OK. Is Luke Keekly a Hall of Famer? He's, he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. And to be honest, I know you're going to rattle off all his awards. I don't think he is. And this is why. The, the guy I can compare him to the most is Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis was a three-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. You know, that's not great. That's very good. But he was the NFL's MVP in 1998. He was a two-time NFL Offensive Player of the Year, 96 and 98. And he, he got the rings. He led the rushing. Um, he led the NFL in rushing yards in '98. He was a two-time NFL rushing touchdown leader. And then the main thing you called it: two-time Super Bowl champ and a Super Bowl MVP. And he had a hard time getting in. So I've got to say, definitely not a first ballot. And I think he struggles to get in. Now the NFL is pretty lenient eventually about who gets in to the hall. It's not as strict as some of the other sports. So maybe he eventually gets in, but I don't think he is, unfortunately. All right, so real quick, over 1,000 career tackles, 2013 Defensive Player of the Year, five-time All-Pro and seven-time Pro Bowler. When it comes to the Hall of Fame for me, I'm of the mindset of if you say the name and it just doesn't jump off the screen as a Hall of Famer to me, you're not a Hall of Famer. But – also, too, I'm going to go on the flip side. I don't think he is a Hall of Famer to me, but um, I forgot who it was, but he played NFL. I forgot who said this, but he was basically saying, like, in his mind and, like, what a lot of guys in the league think is this is the criteria to see if somebody's a Hall of Famer according to NFL dudes. If you play and you hit the six-time Pro Bowl mark or above, you're, like, 90% to 85% going in the Hall of Fame, which – I was like, that doesn't seem like enough. Like, if you make the Pro Bowl six times, like, that didn't seem like, – to me, that's not that's not an all-time great player. Yeah. Did they say all-pro or Pro Bowl? Because there's a difference. They said, they said Pro Bowl. Like, the okay. guy said – he said, yeah. like, the mantra is, like, if you make – if you make if you hit the six-time mark as a Pro Bowl yeah. – Pro Bowler, like, that's in. And then, like, he brought up, like, the fact that he made the all-pros that many times. So, I was like – that. Well, Pro people Bowls, vote on that. The coaches vote on that. Like, yeah, I, Pro like, Bowls you a little different be a, because essentially what happens, you get some of those starters that bail out, and all of a sudden you're the third alternate and you make the roster, you know? And, and I understand, like, back in the day, like, it, like, there wasn't that many alternates, but it just seems like the Pro Bowls just can't be, like, the determinant factor. Yeah, yeah. So we, we're both agreeing that he's not a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, cool. I didn't want to talk about that. See, he wanted to talk about that. But I know this next thing you do want to talk about because you love this guy. We're going to stick with the Panthers. Uh, and they made a, a splash of a hire, uh, hiring uh, LSU's passing game coordinator. Hope I said that right. Uh, and basically the mastermind, perceived mastermind behind LSU's uh, run to the national championship. Uh, Carolina Panthers hired Joe Brady as their offensive coordinator. Donato, is this a good move? Not a good move, JT. It's a great move. Are you kidding me? This is a great move. Damn, I'm not going to lie. You had me there for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I was was like, what? (laughs) Listen, the only thing I'm going to say is this. Two things. 
I think Cam should be excited. And I'm happy the Steelers are not in the NFC. Because with Cam and Joe Brady, look out. On paper, it looks like a good move. The only thing I'm not sure about is, like, there, like, there's no con- – well, actually, there is confirmation. Like, he was he the play caller at LSU? If he wasn't the play caller in college, can he handle calling the plays in the NFL? He, he definitely called them in the um, – the booth against uh no against uh Oklahoma. Okay, I'm I'm not saying he can't do it, but to go from the passing game coordinator, see, that's why I need Coach Connor to, to kind of chime in on this. To go from that to now, you're calling the plays for NFL team. That's tough. And to your point about Cam, I actually think this is a this is a bad sign for Cam because what this tells me is there's a chance that. Carolina might be loading up to move up to maybe get Joe Burrow number one. They got his guy to call plays. He knows that system. He just came off that 60-touchdown season. Carolina could be gearing up to go get him. I'm just saying. I don't think the Bengals move off that number one unless they get a – Well, you you said it yourself, a king's ransom. You said it yourself. They might want Chase Young a little bit more. And who's to say they don't move down a little bit Still get Chase Young and maybe get a quarterback later. Yeah, like a Tua. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. With that being said, uh, obviously Brady's jumping from the passing game coordinator in college to now the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. Is he moving up too fast? No. Um, it's not like he made, you know, he was made an NFL or a college head coach, right? Like this is the next step in the progression passing I game mean, coordinator to OC. In the NFL, is it? Is that the natural progression? Well, the progression is as would far be as OC on that team. Passing game coordinator to OC, but it doesn't necessarily need to be on that team. Sometimes it happens because this is the other thing. He lived up to the hype, JT. Like LSU hyped him up going into the year. Things are going to be different. Things are going to be different. And guess what? They were, and a lot of it was because of him. And then. All this hype halfway through the year. Oh, Bama's going to stop them. Bama's going to stop them. Same old LSU. Nope. All right, playoff time. Clemson, they're going to choke. Oklahoma, Clemson. Nope. So uh, he lived up to it. And this is the new wave, right? Like you hire the next great OC, whether it's in college or NFL, and it's not like the the Panthers fired their OC to get them. They fired their head coach. So they, they were fired the whole staff anyway. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say, yes, he's moving up too fast just because of what we just talked about, the natural progression, like from passing game coordinator to offensive coordinator. He should have been the OC at LSU first, but I don't know. I don't know what to say. He's worked in the NFL before, so he's at least he's been in the NFL locker room, but I just don't know if he can call plays in the pros yet, so it might be too fast. Well, I do think that you're maybe right in the sense of um maybe it's a little maybe it's a little too fast that he's an NFL OC but Donato I, I, I just think about it think about it have you I've never heard a non-coordinator moving to a coordinator position in, in the NFL from college to NFL like I've never heard that before but this is what I'm saying this is kind of the new it's the new wave like you find that that hot commodity, and but the commodity has to actually but perform of, the commodity. But JT, he did 
in the playoffs. Like, what else do you want? Is he? Did he? He called. Did he call the the national championship? I don't know exactly. We'll probably never find out. But I'm pretty sure he did the Oklahoma one from all accounts. And look what they did, Oklahoma. They scored on like their first seven possessions. Ah, uh, see, that's that's yeah, that kind of uh, nebulous thought process is what kind of drives this next topic. So, uh, NFL is apparently reviewing the Rooney Rule. Uh, Steelers owner Art Rooney II was quoted as saying, uh, where we are right now is not where we want to be, not where we need to be. Uh, there's been you know, talk of this for years that they need to actually change it uh, and that it's not being effective. But Donato, with the NFL and your boy Rooney coming out saying that they're going to change it, do you think this this is legit or it's more of a PR stunt? I think it's legit because they know – they have a problem and it looks bad. Yeah, there's so, only there's only three. <laughs> so the optics look bad and so they know they have a problem and it should be looked at and reviewed every off season. And I think that's what they're doing here. They're doing their due diligence to figure it out. They have, you know, that outside company looking into it. So I think it's legit. It's not just a PR stunt so that eventually it goes, you know, the criticism goes away. I disagree. I think it's a PR stunt. And I think that it's a PR stunt because the timing of this is perfect for them. You have three coaches in the league that are that are, that are minorities or black. Look at all the hires that just got made. You got uh, your guy in San Francisco who should be up for every coaching job. I've been pounding the drum for Chiefs OC Eric Bieniemy. Uh, Chris Richard is another guy, the D coordinator in Dallas, who's been seemingly on this radar forever. Those three guys, I don't even remember reading anywhere where they got interviewed, but you got guys like Matt Rule, who have never coached in the NFL, getting record-breaking contracts. The Giants would rather go out and hire the special teams coach for, from the Patriots rather than give one of those three guys an interview. Oh, and by the way, Jason Garrett, who has proven that he can't coach, they want to bring him on as an offensive coordinator. Like Guys, a retreads like Mike McCarthy, who you just said, should they be saying if he wasted the Packers' prime is getting a head coaching job in one of the, the biggest teams in the Cowboys? I think it's a stunt because people see this and it's, it, they, they, they can not hide it any longer. Like It's obvious that the Rooney rule isn't working and the NFL teams are circumnavigating the system to hire who they want to and it's not the guys who should be getting the jobs. But this is why I think it's legit because they probably kept turning a blind eye to all the issues that were happening prior to this uh, recent hiring spree. And they were like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And now they realize like, wow, Sala is not, you know, getting any legitimate interviews besides maybe Cleveland. And They're not Eric, requesting him. Hold on. And Eric Bieniemy, who everyone thinks should be a head coach, including you and me, is not even getting, like, multiple interviews. So I think they've seen that and they realize, like, whoa, guys like McCarthy are getting a shot. Not to say he's not worthy of it, but a guy like Eric Bieniemy, which, let's face it again, the hot commodity, the hot offensive coordinator, all the other ones are getting shots, but not him. So I think they finally realize that and they're like, listen, the Rooney rule was good. 
It's done some good, but now we need to tweak it. Just like anything, just like any system. That's why they go back and review all the plays. Look what happened last year with the Saints, right, with the pass interference. That happens, now there's a rule. And I think what happened this year was, like you said, it they just it was terrible. Like, Salah's not getting a look. The enemy's not getting a look. But uh, along with some other guys, I think Todd Bowles is still a good head coach. Look at all the places he's gone. He's taken over bad teams and made them 500. Like, that's the sign of a good coach. And so at the end of the day, they realized, like, whoa, there is an issue. Let's go back and fix it. And, JT, if it was a, a PR stunt, they would not be spending probably millions of dollars to this outside company to come in and review this. You know the way Goodell and the NFL are. They're going to hold their money. They're not just going to spend it willy-nilly. I've also, I've also seen the NFL put money into things to make some things go away, too. So let's not act like – But that's for – it. hold on, JT. That's for things to go away, maybe. This would not go away even with an independent review. Well, I don't think it's going to change anything until they actually make some changes. I do think it's a PR stunt. And it, it is, it is, it is just ridiculous. So – with that being said, I think you make a good point. Uh, the only way to fix something is to change it. So based on the way the Rooney rule is set up now, what do you think that they actually have to change to make it work? So I'm going to go with a couple things that have already been suggested, actually, um, which I like. And I think that – and then I'm going to ask you a question, which is a little off script, but I want to ask you a question because you, you may be of able course. to answer it the best. So I think that the possibility of extending the rule of this rule to the coordinator positions would be a good idea. So, for example, you're hiring an offensive coordinator like the Panthers just did. Yes, you may bring in Joe Brady for an interview, but you have to bring in someone else. If you get permission from the Chiefs to bring in Biennemi to interview, great. If you get permission from, you know, the Atlanta Falcons to bring in their um, – you know, I don't know if he's a minority or not, but their wide receivers coach, for example, to interview for your offensive coordinator position, great. But that needs to happen. At least one minority gets to interview for your offensive or defensive coordinator position. All right. And then the other thing would be to bring in. So the reason why I think that's a good rule is, and I've told you this before, if minority players do not get an opportunity to play quarterback, which is what has happened, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know, then it limits the number of minority uh, coordinators that offensive coordinators that you can select from. Oh, 100% because that's where the league is moving. And it's it, whoever's played quarterback it, or who's closest to the quarterback. Exactly. And then that limits the potential of, you know, candidates that could be hired as head coach. So I think that's why it's important to get um, you more – you make a, for you make a good point candidates. about that. And I want to ask you a question. Um, I feel like I've talked about this with you before, maybe not on the show, but outside of the show. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this out there because I do think, to me, I think this is an issue more. So I'm going a step further than uh, the black player is not playing quarterback, and that's sort of keeping them out of the offensive coordinator like uh, pool of options. And that's that's the quickest way to get a job. I want to take it a step further. How much of it do you think that black co black coaching candidates aren't seen as those type of uh, coaches that one 
play the quarterback position and are considered like those offensive masterminds and take it a step further. I feel like black coaches aren't perceived as they're not in that group of this new wave of analytics guys that are coming into the league that are getting jobs. Like, do you think that that part is the fact that we as black people haven't gotten into it? Do you think that that's really, really affecting us as far as coming up for these head coaching positions? Well, I don't know if it's true that like minority coaches haven't gotten into that meaning like they haven't bought into it or or they no, haven't they're, they're, done it I mean, what I, what I mean by that, like they're just not they're just not perceived as being in that okay. sphere. Like, right. you know, okay. that guy gets like you. the analytics yeah, tag. I got and you. Some guys don't. And I never thought of that. But you bring up a really good question, and I kind of agree with you then that, yes, I think when we think of that, we think of the Sean McVeighs, the Kyle Shanahans, right? And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're white. Why don't we look at Eric Bieniemy that way? You're right. I, I, I think you're right. And that, that nowadays with the analytics, I think that that is a, uh, a good point you bring up. Like, I think that may be the way it's looked at. Yeah. I, I think you're right there. Um, one other way to, to that they can make a change to make it work is maybe bring in more than just one minority candidate. Listen, I know you want to hire them quick, but you can't tell me that if you called up Eric Bieniemy and Robert Sala, and even if you weren't paying to bring them in in terms of on your private jet because it only can be in one place at one time, you can't be telling me Eric Bieniemy is not willing to get on a commercial airplane and fly down there that same day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, so why not have to bring in more than just one? Side note, can I just refute something you just said? It's not that I want the minority candidates to be hired quick. I want them to get good opportunities. Like, if if Eric Bieniemy is not getting the job because the Cleveland Browns is the best job that's available and he doesn't get that, I'm fine with that because I don't want him to go there anyway. Like, I want him to go somewhere where he's going to succeed. I want, I want, this is what I want. I want these these minority candidates so uh sala uh Bien-Ami, richard i want these guys that when it's their time and everybody who knows football knows that these are the next guys up at the nfl level i want them to have the same hype and respect that somebody like a josh mcdaniels has if he wants to leave new england these are all the jobs that you are available to come and interview for. If you don't like those jobs, you can stay in the position that you're in. And guess what? Next year, a new opportunity of jobs will open. We'll offer them to you if you want to leave. And if you want to stay, you can stay. And you can continue to do that until the situation opens right. up that fits you best. Right. That's what but I want. That, that should be the way it is. Now, the only thing I would caution you with is, similar with McDaniels, if he has a couple bad years, guess what? His coaching hot meter goes down because now you've got a wave of Joe Brady's coming in. So as long as if Josh McDaniels wanted to get a job right now, he could. Yes, right now. And I agree. But if in three years he keeps doing what he's been doing with that offense and no Tom Brady, guess what? They're all going to say it was all Tom Brady and we don't want to hire McDaniels anymore. He'd be lucky to get another offensive coordinator position somewhere. So as long as you're okay with you know, understanding those would also be the ramifications. Oh, it's a risk. I understand. Yeah. Like, you, you got you got to strike while the iron's hot. Right. You got to buy buy low, sell right. high. I understand that. Right. Bienemy is in a is in a unique position. I feel like for the past three years, he's I, been. I agree. He's been Josh McDaniels, yep. but better. So right. that team has been winning and ascending. So unless you, this will all be refuted if he if it comes out and it says, look, 
that's what Bienemy's doing. Like they've offered him these deals. He's like, no, I don't want to. But he's not. They're not even saying he. They're requesting interviews to have him come in. Right. That's that's where I think the problem is, and that's why I think the NFL now is going to outsource the issue to have people review how to make it better. Like if it wasn't the Browns as one of the organizations that had a head coaching vacancy, I think this would be more overblown. But the Browns are the Browns, and they're going to make dumb decisions anyway. But yeah, this is an issue. <laughs> And to, to answer the question of – Okay, no, go ahead. so let me ask you two questions. First one is what you asked me. So what do you think should be done to make the Rooney rule work? I, I didn't think about the coordinator perspective. I do agree with you on that. I think that needs to happen where the, the coordinators need to be uh, – have a minority candidate be interviewed. I think they need to up – the head coaching interviews of, of a minority candidate from one to two or three, I think that needs to be done because the the one isn't working. They just go interview Deuce Staley, like, now nah, we're not going to seriously hire him, and then they go get the guy they want. So I think bringing in more than one, that means that those teams have to actually do their due diligence because here's what's going to happen. If you bring in – if I'm the Browns, and I go bring in Deuce Staley and, like, a running backs coach, those are my two minority candidates, then people are going to see that I'm not taking these candidates seriously and I really don't want to hire them because if you know you have to re- have to interview multiple minority candidates, you're going to go try to go do your homework or go get the guys that, that can actually blow you away in the interview and impress you enough that you'd actually hire them as your head coach. So I think that needs to change. And another thing that I think needs to change I don't know exactly where they get this from, but I know, and you can kind of you can kind of correct me if I'm wrong. I know that the NFL teams, like when it comes time to go through this process of choosing a minority candidate to inter- interview to satisfy the Rooney Rule, they get a list of guys that are available that they can actually interview. It's like a list that are that's sent to the teams, right? Yeah, I I don't know if it's sent to them automatically or if they, but they can have, ask they have like, for a list. They have access to it, right? I, I think they have access to something like that. I think you're basically right. So if there's some list that either they, it's given to them or they can request it and have access to it, I think the NFL needs to stop doing that because what that will do is they will have to do their due diligence. And if you want to interview two or three minority head coaching candidates and you want to interview – a minority coordinator candidate, you're going to have to go out and find those guys. So you're going to have to go look around. Okay, who are but, the th- who are the three but, minority guys that I want to interview for my head coaching position, and who's the minority so, guy that I want to interview for my coordinator position? But, you're going to have to do your own homework and take this process more seriously. But this is uh, – it's a good idea, I think, in theory, but I think this is what would happen. Okay, you don't give me a list. I need to bring in at least one. Maybe two. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what the Cowboys did. Let me bring in Hugh Jackson and Marvin Lewis. The same dudes. (laughs) Knowing, yes, the same guys, knowing that in reality, they're probably not going to hire those guys. But here's the thing. I agree with you. they don't want to take the time to go find the next Mike Tom. But here's the thing. I agree with you short term. I do think that's what will happen. But here's what's going to happen. Some teams are just going to get tired of losing and – Somebody's gonna get an Eric Bieniemy, and that's gonna work out. And they're like, you know what? All right, we need to go, JT, we need to go search for JT, the best the Steelers, available option. The Steelers did that. The Steelers before the Patriots went on this twenty-year run, they were the model of consistency. They were the way NFL franchises wanted to be built. Think about it. 
Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, was a part owner of the Steelers. Tepper, the owner of the Panthers now, part owner of the Steelers, right? Like the Roonies have their own ownership tree. That's amazing. But guess what? Like no one bought that model that the Steelers, they went and interviewed Tomlin. No one knew about Mike Tomlin, you know, as a regular NFL fan until they hired him. And look how great that turned out. A Super Bowl, they're in the playoffs. No one modeled that. Like, yeah, there's a, you know, a Steve Wilkes or a Vance Joseph or an Anthony Lynn every once in a while. But, like, I don't think it's going to do what you're hoping it would do by not giving them a list. I think it will make them even more lazy and say, hey, who's been a head coach? Oh, let's bring Tony Dungy in. Like, that's easy, even though we know he's not going to want the job. Well, I mean, at that pace, there's only three guys they can interview, and they all got jobs. So but, it's got to work no, somehow. don't bring in a Steve Wilkes and a, and a Vance Joseph, knowing they have but no intention but here's, but here's, but to interview thing. those guys or to thing. hire them. That's what I have to hope for because guess what? Steve Wilkes, uh, Todd Bowles, Chris Richard, those guys aren't getting requested to get interviews anyway. Like, I don't even hear about those guys getting called in to satisfy the Rooney rule. Like, either you stop providing the list or you make – I feel like I don't hear about every team. Like, all right, who's your Rooney rule interview? Like, all right, it's well, public knowledge. We, like, we don't we – don't, we don't know what it is either, okay? And all on – to be fair, like, we don't know who the Browns – the Browns had to interview – at least one minority. Did we don't. They? We don't know who we it don't is. Know who it should it is. be public knowledge. But but I'm hoping, and maybe I'm being a little naive here. I'm hoping they did bring in at least one. Donato. Donato. To fulfill and the rule. I know where you're, I see where you're going, and then we'll move on. I see where you're going, but this is what this is what will happen if you if you either make it public knowledge who your Rooney Rule candidate interview is, or if you if you're making it three to four between coordinators and head coaches that have to be interviewed to satisfy the Rooney rule, here's what's going to happen. If they bring in Hugh Jackson and who's the other guy you said? Um, Do you remember? Marvin no. Lewis. <laughs> if, if they bring in – if Hugh Jackson and Marvin Lewis are the two guys that are consistently being brought in for every team, guess what's going to happen? It's going to get more media coverage, and it's going to get catch more fire, and the media will tear it apart, and the NFL will be – forced to go okay. interview new blood okay so let me ask you this then because this is the question i wanted to ask you is how do no we... I, no i will not renew another season on this show with you i'm done after this <laughs> what year. oh man that's harsh i thought those are things that we would talk behind doors about um so the first part i want to address is okay you have a good idea that maybe is something that could work where hey it needs to be publicly put out there that who did you interview all right, so maybe that's one thing that they could add to the Rooney Rule. So this is my question then. How do we know then when it works? Is it based on the percentage of minority coaches of the 32? Is it um, how many are hired in a, in a time span? Like as far as this offseason, if there's five openings, you know, should – at least one, you know, be a minority well, hire. Like, when will we know that it is actually doing the the Rooney rules, doing what it intended to do? I think that's a tricky question because, well, I'll pose this question to you. I'll, two scenarios. Let's say in five years from now we have ten minority coaches, right? So that would Just be ten. ten of the thirty-two almost 
you know, that's almost 33%, probably more about like 30, a little under 30%, maybe like 20. So let's say we, let's say we have 10 or on the flip side, we have five minority coaches, but four of them have like top 10 NFL teams. Like, which one? Which one is a more? Which one is a more ideal situation? Because I feel like it depends on what you consider success. Like to me, I can see either one of those situations being a success. Because me personally, as much as I want the league to to have more minority coaches, I also want these minority coaches to go into situations where they're going to be successful. I don't want the the ten black head coaches or the ten minority coaches that have jobs over the next ten years. I don't want seven of them to be the Browns head coaches and they just keep so, getting fired. No, like, I agree with you. Know what I'm saying so. Like I agree it depends on which you consider then, success. But then you're saying, oh, it's fine if the Giants keep hiring the McAdoo's and Pat Shermers. That that kind of doesn't make sense though. I just I just want these guys to get opportunities. I want here's what I, I guess this is the best way to answer this question. I want. This is going to sound so messed up. I want black Josh McDaniels to get the same hype in the same recruiting that white Josh McDaniels does okay. that, and, or, or minority so, Josh McDaniels. I want, I, want, I want that same level of consistency across the board so, because I said, this, I said this before. If, 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 jo- if Josh McDaniels was Eric Bieniemy in KC, there's no way. He doesn't. He doesn't have a job, right? And there's no way there's not a bidding war we're, for him. We're on the same page with Eric Bieniemy. I mean, I I don't understand how he's not a strong candidate anywhere. Let and alone. I feel bad for I feel bad for Bieniemy because I feel like he's going to get one of these sorry jobs that opens up and they're going to push him into it. I he's going to be a bust. I feel bad for him because I think this is what's going to happen. They're going to have one bad offensive year there where they don't put up the same stats and people are going to be like, oh, Andy Reid's done. Goes down or something. Yeah, yeah, and the door's closed on Bieniemy. But so. This is my thing with what you were saying there. So basically you're saying it's hard to quantify, though, the success. It is because one thing we say, I mean, if we look, what, four years ago, there were black coaches, but look at look at the crappy positions they got. Uh, Vance Joseph, Denver, crappy team. Todd Bowles, Jets, crappy team. But JT, but JT, that happens all the time. Like, don't you think that um, – Who's going to the Giants? Hugh uh, Jackson, Hugh Jackson, the Browns. Well, but, he, but, but, but that's on this, Hugh. He should have he should have taken the Giants job. But, but this is the thing. Like, look at Matt Rule going to Carolina. It's not an ideal situation. Keith, it's not a terrible situation. It kind of is now. Keekley retired. They're a play, if Cam retired, is healthy, they make the playoffs. Keekley retired. You don't know about Cam Newton's future. They have no offensive weapons besides McCaffrey. Okay, but McCaffrey. guess what? That's this year. But guess what? But Matt, that's, about that's Matt, my whole Matt, point. Matt, Matt, Matt Rule's Matt, going in this year, not two years ago. But guess what? Matt, but guess what? Airbnb's not going to Carolina with a team who just a year ago they were saying they could make the Super Bowl. They're still talented, and guess what? Airbnb's not going in there with a seven-year, seventy million dollar deal. Like that's he's not he's not getting that opportunity. Okay, so, so that if, may if, be true. If, if, that may if be I'm true. Gonna go, if, if I'm going to be Airbnb and I'm going to go to the Cleveland Browns, if I'm going to take that sorry job and I've proven myself to be way more NFL way more NFL worthy than somebody like Matt Rule, why can't I go to Cleveland but, with a seven-year, $60 million deal? But you got to watch what you say because now you're you're kind of backtracking on what you said about Joe Brady where you said he hasn't even ever done the job. At least Matt Rule's been a head coach somewhere. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about for, I'm talking about in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. Like, but he's done the proven. job. The enemy's never run a team. 
but Bieniemy's proven he's he can call plays in the NFL. But, but that's the natural progression. It's but, coordinated the coach. Like okay, you gotta but, get the, you gotta get the chance somehow. Jimmy Johnson. So the Cowboys should not have hired Jimmy Johnson. They should have went and hired another proven NFL offensive coordinator when Very they hired explicit. Jimmy Johnson. White or black, it doesn't matter. All I'm saying is, you, you, <laughs> you don't like the Jimmy is, Johnson hire it worked out pretty good. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying this what, can't work out. Matt what Rule I, could be great. What I agree with you though is the contract. I I <laughs> totally agree with you. No way, enemy ever gets that contract that Matt Rule gets. You're he right. Gets that, he gets that standard four yep. year BS, yep. and then he'll be fired in so, two. Like that's how it goes. This is. I think you're right that it's hard to quantify because a lot of people say, well. People will never be satisfied of the rule. And it's like, well, it's hard to quantify. So I think you're right, though. The enemy situation and the Sala situation, like when those finally go away, meaning when that doesn't happen anymore, like, hey, we have this young, good coordinator who is a minority, gets a, a legit interview, and gets a legit look, not just from the Browns, but from the Giants, the Panthers. Like, why, like, like why can't like? Here's the thing, and I think this, and this, and we'll. I know we spent a lot of time on this topic, and we'll move on. Um, the reason this goes to the the point that the reason I think this is a PR stunt ultimately is because all the top, all the guys that should be the top candidates that should be hot candidates, they're all minorities, and none of them got hired. So that's and, why. This, and, that's what I'm saying. The fact that they don't even get legit interviews or that like we the know top, of. The top top five op, top five available free agents for coaching candidates, like three, I would say the top four, three of those guys are minority candidates. Like this is this is like the 2003 NBA draft of minority candidates. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is as, probably as good as it's going to get in a while yeah. as far as like the hype and what you expect. So that's why yeah. I think it's a PR stunt, but. But but that's why I'm and that's why I'm saying that when until those situations go away in terms of enemies getting a look, Chris Richard is getting multiple looks. Like you said, Josh McDaniels is flying around taking all these interviews. Why is enemy not? Why is Richard not? Why is Salah not? The way I look at it is once we can get to a point where those minority candidates, the top ones, like you're saying, at least the top candidates, are getting multiple looks, then the Rooney Rule is not you know is not working because. I would be hiring Eric Bieniemy, especially if I'm the Giants. Like, what? I would take Bieniemy over um, Joe Judge. I mean, why can't you know? You know why I'd love to see Eric Bieniemy go. I'd love to see him go to Atlanta, like a place where they have offensive weapons. It's indoors. Yeah, like they got good ownership. Like they just need somebody to come in there, call plays, and he goes and hires somebody like a Wade Phillips to run the defense. Like because remember that. Remember when Shanahan was the OC? They got to the Super Bowl. Now they choked a little bit in the Super Bowl, but they had a great run. Like they were by far the best team in the NFC. Matt Ryan had an MVP yeah. season. Like, yeah. like that's 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 the kind of job that if it's not a top notch job, I want them to go to situations like that. And you would have hoped by now, Marvin Lewis, Tom, uh, Tomlin, they would have changed the um, the perception that a minority coach, you know, can't lead a franchise and that other teams, you know, should be bringing in minority candidates. I'm totally with with you there. I think it, I think it goes back to what you said. You said that and maybe this will change. The black coaches just aren't close enough to the quarterback, which means you're not close enough to the offensive right. play calling the, game. Another, also too, we're we're not we're not perceived as 
analytics guys. Like all the great black coaches, right? Candidates, they're usually on the that, defensive side of the ball, right. and they can get the team to run it's, through a wall for them. Bienemy is the one guy that is the X's and O's guys, and he's close to the quarterback. Right. He's close to the MVP, and he still right. can't get an interview. Yeah. And Think about that. You, you're so right. I never thought about the analytical part of it, how the, how it's perceived with minority coaches and coordinators. And this is the other thing. Let's say – I know we spent a lot of time on this, but, like, it, it's just a it's, – it's really an interesting thing because you have people on both sides with all these opinions. This is the way I think we'll know if the Rooney Rule is successful, especially if they change it, JT. Let's say Enemy gets a job next year. Great. Like, that is good. But this is the thing. It's all about the next time, right? The guy that I see potentially could be in that Enemy situation is Byron Leftwich. That's where I'm interested. Great. Enemy gets a job, but okay, the rule is not working now just because Enemy gets a job. It's a matter of does Leftwich and Sala then get a legit look? If they I never, get, I never thought about Leftwich because yeah. he he literally is the he's the he, the Grail. Like he's the check. He checks all the boxes. Right. Former right. quarterback, right? Offensive play caller. You're close to one of the best offensive yep. minds probably the past twenty years in yep. Bruce Arians. You've proven to be a good offensive play caller with bad teams in the league. He's another guy. Can't believe he's not up for interviews. So, so this is the thing. If they don't keep Winston, or even if they do, let's say they bring someone in, they have a great offensive year. His name, Leftwich, should be at the top. Everyone his, should be. His name should be at the top now. They it probably the should. He led the league in passing and yeah, passing touchdowns. The only thing I would, the knock against Leftwich would be, well, you were a former quarterback and Winston threw too many interceptions. Now, that's what, all, but that's Winston though. It is. Winston, <laughs> it would, is. Winston would throw, lead the league in interceptions <laughs> in New England. Like that's just how it, he is. It is. But let's say. Winston comes back, has the same amount of passing yards, touchdowns, but throws 10 interceptions. Now it's like, listen, Leftwich should be interviewed by everybody. And if that doesn't happen, that's where it gets me upset because that's where the Rooney rule is not working. Because you're scared to bring in Leftwich because you know if he interviews and you look at his resume, it's going to be tough to pass him over for a Joe Judge. I will say I will say this, and then we'll move on. I think the only thing that's saving the NFL face this year is the fact that these candidates were overshadowed by other guys that have bigger names, and like Urban Meyer, like I thought for sure he would get a head coaching job somewhere, and like he didn't get hired. So I feel like that's what's overshadowing. But I one hundred percent agree with you. Like I didn't think of Leftwich; he is the next guy that should be the like the, the hot coaching candidate. Like. He's done it all as so, far as be a head coach. This is why they need to fix the Rooney rule now during this offseason so that Byron Leftwich and then Sala, because I think the Niners are going to be great again next year defensively, and so that Sala, so they don't get screwed again. And I think if they can fix it now and get those guys in there and they're successful along with Enemy, man, the tide can turn really quick. And now it's like, hey, you know, yeah, you can run the team the way you want, but if you want to be successful – you have to look at everybody regardless of skin color. And with that said, that's a mic drop ending to that topic right there. I got to I got to move on. Great points. I did I did not think you would keep that going that long, but yeah, hopefully one of those guys gets a shot. So, let's switch gears from the NFL to the NBA where uh ESPN's Brian Windhorse was quoted in the Miami Herald by Isaiah Small making comments in regards to the Miami Heat who I predicted would be a top three team in the East at the beginning of the season, that the Heat are on the verge of building a super team within the next 12 to 18 months. Um, when Horse 
uh, comments have been echoed by other media outlets for the past, I would say, past month now. This is I've seen it multiple places. Uh, with that being said, the Nato, do you think this could actually happen? So first, we didn't have an NBA preview show, so I don't know where you just you probably thought of it in your mind. No, I you know three. you 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 know that you know that is was it, my prediction. Is it recorded? Okay, cool. Is it recorded? Wow. Yeah. Nope. So actually, actually, it is. I still have it. <laughs> could this happen? Of course. I mean, anything could happen. But if I had to bet, I would say no. And this is why the 2020 class of free agents, it's not that great. You got Anthony Davis, which probably going to go back to the Lakers, and Draymond Trump. Green. I mean, and unless Andre you, Drummond, who's going to opt out of his player option, probably who and Andre Drummond, who's going to opt out of his player option, probably. Oh, OK, yeah. Drummond, Eric I'll just Gordon, throw him in there. Mike Conley, I think like those guys, they're not going to be part of a big three. And like the 2021 class now, that's going to be a historic free agent class. However, because you're going to have guys like LeBron, Kawhi, PG, Freaky, Greeky, uh, the Greek freak, Beal, Gobert. Like, but this is the problem with that. The current teams of all those guys have an inside track to them, or at least the the, the big time ones, right? PG, uh, Kawhi, LeBron, Giannis. Like, and some of those gave up a lot to get those certain guys that are going to become free agents. So Miami's been there and done that. I don't know if I'm LeBron that I go back. If I'm Kawhi, I don't really know if I want to do that. You know, like, and if I'm Giannis maybe because it's Miami, but I think he really, you know, it's usually that first, that second contract that they get, they usually still stay with the team like LeBron did. So I don't see this happening with Jimmy Butler because the thing is they're saying Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they're the one and two. They need a third piece. Yeah, whether- that that was going to be what I was going to ask. Like is like a third person to them is like Butler and Adebayo enough to be a big three to like, all right, lock it. Like they're getting out of the East. Like yeah. they're going to be champions. That's not a super team. Because he's still got the Celtics. The Celtics got a big four. Like, Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I guess to me it comes down to this. Beyond whether or not we, we have two players worthy of making it a big three is, like, do you think guys really want to play for Pat Riley still? Like, because that's ultimately what's gonna take. Like, Riley's got to come in and do his thing where he throws all the rings on the table and he's like, "Do you want some of this?" I don't think people care at this point because he's too old. Um, I agree. I Good guess, point. I, Good point. I guess it could happen, but let's okay. Let's say it does happen. Who do you think they would get? Oh man, I think it would be between. I think it would be Bradley Beal. And that would be the worst thing that we can do because he'll be hurt for 60 games and it wouldn't matter. Here's the thing, though. I'm, I thought about this really hard. And I was like, all right, who are the free agents and who's the best option? And who is in a position where if something goes wrong, they could be up for grabs? So I know they said it was 12 to 18 months, but I'm assuming that the 2021 class is in play, too. So if... If we're going like the 2021 class, uh, for sure it's Giannis because I've heard even before this broke, I heard that Miami and I told you this before. Miami like is uniquely structured to make the best but run at Giannis in, in, in would, the league. Like that, like experts are saying. That. I would dis. I would only argue that because LeBron signed a second tra- contract with Cleveland, so I think if the Bucks are like on the verge this year and next year, I mean, I, I was. I, I, was, I don't I think would he say leaves this, though. just yet. I would say this though. I think. The reason 
I think just the way that we're structured and the way that uh, like the cap situation will be with Miami. On top of that, I think what would attract Giannis to Miami is playing for a guy like Jimmy Butler who's no nonsense because that's essentially what Giannis is. He doesn't want to train with these other guys in the offseason. He doesn't want to like go team up with other guys. Like This wouldn't really be seen as like a big three team up at the time, but I think that would be attractive to him because Bam and Butler are like those not, no nonsense, we're here to play basketball guys. But if we're going to make a move for next summer or for this summer, I I say it's AD. And I'm not convinced that he's going to stay in L.A. Because he's he already showed before the season, like, if they don't win, like, there's a legit possibility that he might be out. And I think AD is that type of player where he can be persuaded by somebody like Pat Riley to come join the Miami Heat. I don't think because LeBron's still there one more year. And the only reason why... AD was willing to go to the Lakers at this point was because because Rich Paul told him to LeBron, but because LeBron is there so I don't know that'd be tough for AD to leave and go to Miami of all the of all the places he goes to Riley that's sticking could, it to LeBron I can could, I could, I could see it happening I, man I like your I thinking see. I would love that oh my goodness because here's the thing are we are we in agreement that we think the Clippers will win the title over over L.A. getting to the title. Like, I think the Clippers will go to the finals more than I think the Lakers will this year. And I think that with A.D., that's what it's about. If it does not work out, because there's, there's drama. There's drama going on. If it doesn't work out, I can see him being persuaded to come out east and play for the Heat. Okay. Okay. I kind of like it now. You got me excited. Uh, sticking with basketball, JT, but let's go over some good news from the WNBA, the salaries will increase. Some of the things will be that the max base salary currently of $117,500 will be raised to $215,000 in that the average uh, WNBA salary uh, is to be above uh, six figures in that uh, or will be uh, – Yes, above six figures, and that top players can earn $500,000. So what is your reaction to this, JT? Um, overall, I just think it's a great sign of better things to come in addition to this. Um, I think it's it's about time. And it's really interesting because normally when you see things like this in a, in a sports league where they're increasing like the pay for the players, it's because like the revenue is increased. And in this case, I don't think that's I don't think their revenue stream is like directly tied to like why they're increasing like like the play like playing the players because I don't think like I don't think the move is profitable from that perspective. But it's it says like what their plans are. It says a lot about what their plans are for the WNBA. Like that they're playing they're paying these players finally something that they deserve. So I think it's a great thing, and I feel like it's more of an investment. Then saying like, hey, like we've made X amount of money as a league. Now we're going to like, you know, disperse it amongst the amongst the players. But also another thing that uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. But I've, I've read some places that like older NBA players, NBA coaches, like this was one of the things I consistently read that they liked. And they said it was a big deal was the hotel room rooms on the road. Like they're going to get those now. Like apparently like that's like a big deal for a league like getting the hotel rooms on the road and they're going to get that as a part of this in conjunction with the pay increase so i just think like i said this is an overall win for the WNBA players and i'm extremely happy for them 
yeah, it's just awesome news all all around, and I think the late uh, David Stern would be extremely happy about this, and it does show the big strides and steps, really, for all of women's sports and women's athletes, and not just the WNBA players. Um, and so I'm excited for the future, you know, of all women's sports um, because this is maybe just the start of it where things start to increase as far as uh, pay because um, you know you and I we just we just love sports in general and it's always great to have to me more sports it can really bring I think like the world together um, and you know something was a little concerning though because the WNBA David or Adam Silver once said that like it loses like 10 million dollars a year and so the concern is that when a women's league loses money like that a lot of people say oh well like they're losing money but the MLS loses like a hundred million dollars and people look at it as like oh like you said an investment so I'm really glad that you said that because this could be seen as an investment they're putting more money into the players and so this is really should be seen as like an investment into the league into the players and so I, I really like how you said that um, so my concern, though, would be that if it's losing money like this, I'm just worried that with the salaries increasing, are they now going to say, uh-oh, we're in over our heads because the jump was too much. You know, the max base pay of 117000 instead of maybe going up to one seventy-five, did it go up too far? And are they paying the top players a little bit too much that I'm worried that, uh-oh, does this mean – if it doesn't pan out revenue-wise, are they going to say, oh, well, you know, we got to fold the league. So I hope they've, they've looked at it economically to know that even if there's a little bit of a, of a slight loss, that it's still, they're still going to be operating, you know. So, But, I mean, awesome news overall with the salary incre- increase. And it's about time. It's about time. JT, one big baseball topic. Do we do we really yes. have to talk about yes, this? Yes, we can't avoid I feel like, it. I feel like this is so ridiculous. And can I preface this? We're gonna go through this, but can, can I just say like I don't care? Yeah, you do. We love. I sports. don't care. You care. You I care. do not care. All right, the Houston Astros, um, the commissioner of baseball, has handed down the punishment to the Astros, um, and there has been quite a fallout from it, uh, <laughs> including the Astros and some other teams. So AJ manager AJ Hinch or ex manager AJ Hinch and ex GM of the Astros Jeff Lunau were suspended or have been suspended one year, and the club was fined five million dollars. And the club also loses five million dollars. The club also loses um, both their first and second round picks in each of the drafts of 2020. They were going to use those anyway. In 2021. Now, the fallout from it is that A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau have been fired by the Astros. Alex Cora's name came up a lot in the report um, as he was formerly with the Astros. So he mutually parted ways with the Red Sox as he was the manager there. And then newly hired manager of the Mets, Carlos Beltran, who a lot of people say was the ringleader among the players in the Astros behind his the, own niece said he was the ringleader. <laughs> well, there's a lot of uh there's a there's a lot of credibility though or credibility issues with that statement from the niece. Um that it really wasn't the niece that said it. But anyway, he 
uh, parted ways with the Mets before even managing a game. So, first question, JT, I already know from your reaction. Was the punishment severe enough? First, somewhere, Pete Rose has got to be like, you know what, man? You guys have put me through all this shit for all these years. And, like, these guys legit were... (laughs) We're caught doing something like there was at like a Ocean's Eleven level of like ridiculousness. And they're going to get their jobs back and they're going to be allowed back into baseball. So if I'm looking at it through Pete Rose colored glasses, uh, no, <laughs> like, like this is if you care about sign stealing, which I, I know everybody does, if you care about it and it obviously like gave a decisive advantage to the Astros and put them on a level that was just unreal. No, I think these guys should be suspended, if not for a lifetime, at least for a couple years. I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, think about the fallout from this. Houston got a dynasty out of it. Other teams who thought they were they were up to the challenge of becoming a dynasty were crushed. And guess what? These guys all got paid more money, and these, these guys all went on to coach other places. Like, yeah, this was a clear advantage beyond the field. And I don't think the punishment was severe enough. I think they should be multiple years uh, gone from the game if MLB truly thinks this is a big deal. Well, under the punishment, they pretty much got the max, though, or under the you know terms of their agreement. The letter of the law. Yeah, with, with MLB and the actual teams. This was the max punishment. They couldn't be fined more than $5 million. I mean, you know, losing those – you joke about it, but losing those first and second round picks, guess what? At some point – Altuve. No, I know they're I know they're important. Yeah, you know Verlander joking, retire. Like, oh, like, you know, like Verlander retires, they don't have guys to come in that are surefire. You know, prospects. So, I think the punishment was just about right. I know some people want the players to be, but they they basically told the players, "Listen, you're going to get immunity if you if you cough up everything because they want to know who was behind it." And so you can't go back on your word now. Like you gave them immunity. They spilled the beans. You can't now be like, oh, well, you're going to be suspended a year. Like, no. Like, psych, you're going to jail, too. <laughs> exactly. So I think it was severe enough because, you know, they did put a rule into place about no electronic devices, and they used that during games near the dugout, in the dugout, to sign steal. So to steal signs. So I think it was just right. And, you know, at the end of the day, those guys getting let go, They'll get hired in like three years once it kind of dies down. You know, you know they're young crazy? enough. You know, it's crazy. Like, I know this has nothing to do with this, but like you look at this and like these guys are cheating at like at this scale, and the most they're gonna do is you know be unemployed for one year. They're still paid, and the players aren't getting in trouble. But like, like you look at like college, like college basketball, like those guys who like are in jail for like giving money to kids to like shoe deals. Like, they're in prison, and, like, these guys are, like, pulling off, like, this mastermind, like, organization, criminal organization activity of baseball. And, like, they're like, Beltron, just go take a year, <laughs> chill on the islands, and once the dust settles, we'll come back and we'll pay you the $10 million that we owe you. It's, it's, you don't mess with the FBI, bro. You don't mess with federal money. That's the problem. Ridiculous. Don't, me- don't mess with it. So... This has been a, a little bit of a, a debate. Who should be more upset, the Dodgers or the Yankees, that the signs were stolen? You know where I'm going with this one. 
it's the Dodgers. Uh, and it's because no, and it's because now Clayton Kershaw could be like, you know what? I knew I wasn't this sorry. There was a reason. There was a reason why why I suck in the playoffs. And they started it. So yeah, the Dodgers, because they rely so much on pitching. And like this is essentially like a pitch, uh, basically a pitching beating or uh, scheme. So yeah, the Dodgers, I would say, should be more upset because this essentially has tanked them from taking that next step to being. They should be the Astros, and they're not because the Astros cheated. Well, Kershaw was losing playoff games before 2017. Yeah, but Astros, I'm, tr- so. I'm trying to I'm trying to give him some. <laughs> I appreciate something that. to stand about on. time. About time you do. I'm gonna go. Even though, listen, both have great franchises. It's I, I'm not defending either one of these franchises here, but. If I had to pick between Dodgers or Yankees, I'll say the Yankees because the Dodgers blew the series, the World Series at home in Game 7, all right? Like, they scored one run. That had nothing to do with the the sign stealing. The Yankees faced the Astros in 2017 and 2019 in the ALCS both times. So, I think they have a little bit more beef there. Everybody's got beef at this point. <laughs> and so, last question – I think we're kind of in a, a agreement here. Was it the correct move by the Astros, Red Sox, and the Mets to fire their managers? Yeah, all those guys should be gone, and they should get some serious bans. Bans okay. like they shouldn't be allowed to coach for a while. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, listen, you even if you truly believe in them as a manager, it's tough to keep them and have them sit out a year. But you know what? The Saints did that with Payton. So yeah, but but the NFL is different though. It's harder to find a good coach. Yeah, because co- I feel like in the <laughs> NFL, like the coaching, the, the difference between having Sean Payton and uh, Jeff Fisher on your team, like like that, could set you back. It's a really years. fine line. Yeah, it's a really big difference. So yeah. All right, and you just listen. You don't want this to hover over you. I mean, you're those three teams are big markets. And two of them, you know, have won the World Series in 2017-2018. So, yeah, I I guess, you know, you, you got to agree with them and just move on. You know, you don't want that hovering over you. All right, so we're going to move to everybody's favorite part of the show, Quick Hitter, sponsored by Donato. Still no sponsor, so if any, any listeners out there willing to sponsor Quick Hitters, JT does such a great job of it. We'd love to to hear from you. All right. With that being said, let's jump into it. Keyword being quick. Uh, let's start out with Cleveland. Uh, Browns just hired a new uh, head coach, Kevin Stefanski, but that's not the only thing making headlines. Uh, according to multiple media sources, Browns owner Jimmy Haslam uh, put in a stipulation that the reason they hired Stefanski was he was the only candidate that agreed to turn over the game plan Every Friday before the game to Haslam, Donato, if this is because Haslam obviously denied this. If this is true, do you have an issue with this? No. I mean, listen, he's the owner. If he wants to know the game plan, I guess he has a right to it. What? If I was the owner, I would not do what Haslam's doing. Like, I would want my coaches to coach. I'm the owner. I, I, you know, I oversee the team, but you are the coach. You whatever you think is best, you do for on the field. And so Stefanski doesn't have to become head coach if that's the agreement. You go back to Minnesota. Don't take the job to begin with. You know, you know why you wouldn't do this? 
You know why you're not you're not you're not an idiot. That's why. Like if you if you were Haslam, you wouldn't do this because well, you're not an idiot. That's why I believe in. If you're the coach, you're the coach. If you are the owner, you oversee the team. You 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 can't do the game plan. Yeah, I disagree with you. I have an issue with this, and it's because Haslam has proven he knows nothing about football, and he's trying to be Jerry Jones. Let the experts who you hire do their job for once. Exactly. Like just let them do their thing. Yep. All right, moving to college football. Uh, former uh, University of Houston quarterback De'Eric King entered the transfer portal this week. Uh, he's rumored to be considering FSU and, of course, our University of Miami Hurricanes. Where do you think he'll ultimately end up? The U. Yeah, we hope that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's going to go to Miami, too. Uh, we're more stable than FSU, and he has a good relationship with our new offensive coordinator, uh, Lashley. And let's put it this way. He can walk into this program, and he can make us an 11-win team. So I and think the upside is higher in Miami. I don't even know if they would have him compete for the job because the other, I wouldn't. Th the other three uh, quarterbacks that competed last year didn't prove that they were worthy of it, and he they might just name him starter. Yeah, I agree. Make him the starter as soon as he goes on campus. Flip side, uh, Dana Holgerson, head coach, uh, University of Houston, made the crazy move to redshirt King, and I believe it was another receiver, after they started off like one and three last year with the hope that they would redshirt and then come back next year uh, when the team was better. Do you Did you think he blew the entire situation by doing this? No, because I don't believe it was his idea to redshirt De'Ara King. I think what happened was they got off to a rough start. De'Ara King knew – he was going to be out of eligibility, and he wants to play for a winner. The guy wants to compete, and it wasn't going to happen last year. And I think he went to coach and said, listen, I want a red shirt. I'm going to come back. I plan on staying. And then things changed, but I don't think this was uh, Dana's decision to red shirt him. But what's he going to say? No, you can't red shirt. Like, so, um, you know, sometimes that stuff happens, and, you know, can't. You know, I don't, I don't blame the coach here, and I don't blame the player either. You know, he had a change of heart at the end of the year. Uh, I agree with you. Um, if, if it was Holgerson's decision, it was a terrible move. Like, did you really <laughs> think he was going to come back to a losing team? Uh, uh, sticking, uh, let's move on to the NBA. Uh, my favorite person in the NBA, Steve Kerr, uh, recently made comments uh, regarding Dallas, Dallas Mavericks' Luka Doncic. He compared him to Larry Bird, but also compared him to James Harden, uh, saying that his step back move was a lot like James Harden. Uh, you agree with these comments? Uh, not with the Larry Bird comparison. Yeah, can we get that out of the way? I feel like anytime a white guy comes into the <laughs> league and he balls out, like they, like Larry Bird is the guy everybody goes to. Like Larry Bird ain't played in a long time. Like there's been other white guys that have been good in the league. <laughs> Yeah, so not with the Larry Bird one because his fadeaway jumper was a little different than Harden and Doncic's. Um, but, yeah, a little bit maybe with Harden as far as the step back. But I think Harden's still a better pure scorer right now than Luka is. Oh, for oh for sure. I agree with you. I'm not down with the Bird thing. But uh, Harden I can see, but for a different reason. I think, like, when I watch Luka play, his movements and the way that he can make baskets and get – the and one with like unique body control, I think that's similar to Harden more so than the step back. So I can't see that. But why can't Luca just be Luca? Like that's what I'm comparing him to. Like he's his own player. Uh, sticking in uh, with the NBA in California, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers 
your boy Rob Palenka. So wait is, for the fan. So the, for the fans at home, we know JT has four guys that he loves. You keep, to you keep just making crush. this bigger. You just love to crush them anytime we talk about the Aaron Rodgers, who we talked about today, Steve Kerr, who we talked about today, Dave Gettleman, who we did not talk about today, and he now talks about Ro- himself. And now Rob Palenka, three out of the four. This is a great show for JT. So Rob Palenka was rumored to be looking to trade anybody but AD and LeBron. Donato, should the Lakers make that move and for who? Yes, they should make that move. And so be- I'm assuming I'm assuming this means like Kuzma's gonna be in the deal. So Kuzma that's and everybody fine. else is getting shipped out. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, anyway, you can bring in anybody of quality and add some depth. I mean, so as far as adding depth, if you can get more guys like the Danny Greens, that's great. I don't know. Maybe you can make a deal. I don't really think they can afford anybody's a thing because I would say maybe Bradley Beal, once the Wizards are completely out of the playoff race, or, you know, someone, um, you know, they don't need an Andre Drummond. But yeah, like, he wouldn't fit. They already got it, enough big yeah, athletic guys. Exactly. On so, like, you know, I don't know who they would get because it's so difficult with their cap. I'm gonna but, tell you who I'm gonna tell you who I think they should go get is two guys, and I think they can make this happen because first of all, LeBron James is the only guy in the league that can orchestrate multiple players getting traded from multiple teams at the same time. Like he's the only guy that can do this. I would ship out everybody except for Braun, AD, um, Danny Green, and Dwight Howard. And I don't know how they do this, but this is who I would go get because these two teams are in tank mode now and they're looking to unload people. I would go get Derrick Rose from the Pistons. I think he could be a great like, like a uh, six man type scorer off the bench when and he can give LeBron and AD that rest. And I say they go to the Minnesota Timberwolves and they go get Robert Covington. He seems like he fits great with them. Like he can shoot the three, he can score, he can defend. Like he's a quality player. I think if they can find a way to get those two guys, I think it gets them closer to competing with the Clippers in the West. Maybe, but again, then you got to figure out a way to get them under the cap um and i know rose even though he doesn't have a huge contract like he still makes some good money so it's interesting all money, all money is good money but if, I, if I, they I, really I, if they can't my two get, guys. if they can't get a rose maybe they could go get a jeff teague he old <laughs> oh like derrick rose isn't with the injuries? yeah but Ro- rose is playing like the old rose go look at the numbers <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about your favorite person, Antonio Brown. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody's seen this. Uh, made headlines uh, recently for going on Instagram Live and having a essential outburst between uh, Hollywood Police Department and the mother of his child, which uh, went viral. Also, too, based on that whole tirade and video on Instagram, uh, Drew Rosenhaus also uh, recused himself as his agent. Uh, sticking with the video, I just want to know personally, like, what was your reaction to the video between him and the police? In the words of Drew Rosenhaus, next question. Cool. I'm with you. AB, get some mental help. Like, he's clearly, clearly, clearly suffering from something that's mental right now, and he is the, losing it. There's no way he gets back in the league. The fact that Drew Rosenhaus conditionally terminated their um contract he'll he'll snake his way out of anything like he'll he'll keep anybody like as long as you can make some money he'll keep you and that's what leads me to believe that i think ab's done in the nfl if drew rosenhaus doesn't want to represent him anymore he knows something's up with the teams that they don't want him anymore 
And then two, when he conditionally terminated it based on he needs to Getting go help. get counseling first. Yeah, like that's where I feel as far as, you know, us being human beings like, man, like maybe he, maybe the guy does need help and you hope he gets it and then football comes later. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So, JT, I don't have any surprise JT uh, stories for you, but I do want to do sports confessions real quick. I know it was a long episode. Do you have any? I know you kind of talked about a couple. Do you have any that you want to clarify, or are you good with all um, your mistakes? Yeah, um, I want to confess that I was uh, – well, here's the thing. I was wrong about uh, Nick Bosa coming into the NFL because uh, in our draft preview show, he had a terrible workout at the Combine, and they were after that workout, they were still hyping him up as the potential number one overall pick. And I, the point I was trying to make at the time was if – if his name last name wasn't Bosa, obviously his brother Joey was like is like an all pro, so everybody's just assuming he's gonna be that good. If the last name if the last name on the back of his jersey wasn't Bosa, would he still be considered a top five pick? And the fact that he didn't work out well, I was like, you know what? Maybe this is the brother that's not gonna be the talented one. Like he could be the Cooper, Cooper Manning. So yes, I confess I was wrong about Nick Bosa. He's a wrecking ball. He's probably gonna be a defensive player of the year multiple times during his career. And, um, yeah, I have to eat that one for the next decade. So my sports confessions, forgive me, listeners and fans of JT and the Don and JT himself for me and what I'm about to brag about. All right. Oh, that that is not where I thought you were going. I'm bragging. Let's go back just a, a week ago. The oh, d- are you are you the, are you really doing this? The Dawn <laughs> with a four and O prediction of the divisional playoffs, calling the upsets of the Titans over the Ravens. And the close one between the Packers and the Seahawks. But he's Vegas, not gonna he's not gonna confess that he was wrong about the Baltimore Ravens when, and wrong about the Cleveland Browns. And when Vegas had favored the Seahawks opening the line as the Seahawks being the favorites. Actually, they did not. I I do apologize for that. Packers were always favored. But a lot of people were calling the Seahawks to win that one. But anyway, the Don, 4-0 in divisional playoffs. I I don't mean to brag, but I was right. So, JT, thank you, thank you, thank you. On that note, standing ovation. On that note, that... Wraps up another episode of JT and the Dawn. JT, great episode to all of our listeners and fans out there. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please remember to subscribe to us, JT and the Dawn podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And if you like what we do, Please leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. And also, please follow us on social media. Our handle, at JT in the Dawn. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And once again, thank you for listening. And until the next episode, JT, see ya. Peace. <laughs>